Pot of gold. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host, Jeff Nesbitt, and we've got a great show for you again this week. Joining us today in the studio is Pat Shank, fisherman extraordinaire. He's going to sit down with us and tell us all kinds of cool stories, talk about lots of different subjects, about growing up around the peninsula, around Long Beach, Owaco, Chinook, being out on the water fishing. Really, we, we hit probably 10,000 subjects in the course of just two hours. I Honestly, I think both of us have ADHD. Yeah, I, I know I do. And uh, after that conversation, it, it's pretty likely that Pat has something going on with him too. I don't know. You be the judge. But it was a great podcast. I had a really fun time doing it. And I, I think Pat had a good time too. We got to know each other a little bit. It is Saturday, July 10th, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I know you've got a lot of options, so I appreciate you spending your time with me. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It works everywhere. Leave a review if you like the show. And if you hate the show, please don't leave a review. I don't I don't need those at all. You know, just go on with your life. Uh, but yeah, if you like the show, please five stars helps a lot. So go in there, leave a review. I appreciate it. And if you don't, hey, I appreciate you being here anyway. If you're new to the Ramble by the River family, I appreciate you for coming. Thank you for checking out the show. And by now, you're probably wondering to yourself, what is this nonsense that you have stumbled upon? So let me fill you in. In a nutshell, Ramble by the River is an open form discussion slash interview slash kind of introspective quasi-personal diary slash the product of my compulsion for creative expression. My guests and I meander across a wide variety of topics, really whatever we find interesting. And we can get as personal, as topical, as tragic, hopeful, preachy, complainy, insane deep, shallow, conspiratorial, factual, or irreverent as we see fit in the moment. And we just go with it. It's great. It's an open forum. It's open space where you can just talk. And this show is edited, so I, I go through after we're done and I, I try to smooth it out and make the message of what we were actually talking about come through clearly. So I hope you guys like the, the finished product. It's really a, it's a conversation. It's a real conversation. I mean, I, we go for it. I always encourage my guests to share as much as they're comfortable with. And you know me, I'm here to speak the truth. The way I see it, that's the only way the good stuff is going to come out, is just to open the floodgates and not worry. That being said, we are not fact-checking as we go. Ramble by the River is intended for entertainment purposes only. These conversations are with interesting people, and they're intended to pique your curiosity, so that perhaps it might inspire you to seek further information on the subject from a real source, like a peer-reviewed journal a doctor, a financial analyst, or a member of the clergy at your local religious order. We are here to connect, entertain, and inspire, not to educate. I cannot stress that enough. I talk about a lot of stuff because I'm interested in a lot of stuff, but that doesn't mean I'm an expert and I really I really don't want anyone to use me as their main source of information. I just don't want to cause anybody any problems if I say something wrong. So if something I say interests you, Google it. Give it a Google, you know, and even let me know if I'm wrong. Who knows? I could just be saying stuff sound like an idiot and you could help me out to not look like an ass. But anyway, it's not an education show, even if you learn something by accident. 
You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Ramble by the River and on Twitter at Ramble River Pod. All of this information and more can be found in the show notes that are connected with this audio on your podcast player. So, DJ names. You guys have been coming through. I have had several submissions now, and a few of my personal favorites are DJ Jazzy Jeff, which I know is already taken with Will Smith's friend, DJ Balls Deep, DJ Killa J, DJ Jizzy Jeff, and DJ Nasty Bit. Ooh, that one's got some stank on it, you know? I like them all. So let me know what you guys think. If you come up with any better ones, shoot them my way on any of those uh, sources of communication I just mentioned. So I just started reading this book. It's called This Is Your Brain on Food. And it is by Uma Naidu, MD. And it's just about how making food choices affects your mental health and your mental functioning, your cognition, how you experience the world, all of it. And it is really great. It's a fantastic book. I couldn't recommend it enough. The way I found it is because I actually just got Michael Pollan's new book, which is called, I believe, This Is Your Brain on Plants, or This Is Your Brain on Vegetables. I think plants, though. Michael Pollan is one of my favorite authors. He's fantastic. He wrote the book, How to Change Your Mind, a couple years ago. And before that, I liked him from his work on plants. It was called uh, The Botany of Desire. And there, that was a show and also a book, I think. But he's great. And so I was looking into him. I was getting his new book and I found this book. Audible suggested it to me and it looked good and I sampled it and I liked it. So I got into it. I'm about halfway through it already and it is really good. It goes through several different, very common mental disorders or conditions like ADHD, depression, generalized anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, And it explains all of the correlates in both directions, positive and negative, with food. So it tells you, like, first it does anxiety. It goes through and it explains kind of what the neurological basis of anxiety is, where it comes from, maybe where in the ancestral environment it may have been an adaptive trait that helped us to propagate our species. and kind of looks at it from a few different angles. And then it goes on to explain how food interacts and how the diet interacts. And it it starts from kind of a broad lens and it narrows it down to where at the end of the chapter, it's explaining like because of A and B, whatever, blueberries help your depression because of, and it'll explain the neurotransmitters and all of the the happenings and goings on of the body. And it's great because I think it gets really easy to forget that our mind and our brain are not the same thing. And that sometimes our experience of the world feels very much in our head, but it's also very much in our body. They're, they're, they're separate, but they're also the same. I know that doesn't make sense. That's a waste of time to say something like that, but it's kind of true. It's like that duality. We are a physical being, but we're also a spiritual being. And you really feel that when like you're hungry is a great example. Hangry, you know, that's your flesh crying out. It wants things. It has needs. This book has got me thinking that I need to change my diet and get back on track. I know I've said this before and I'm struggling. I'm struggling with it. But it talked a lot about ADHD. And some of the stuff it said about ADHD, I did not know. The last time I really had any professional education on the subject, it it was probably 10 years ago. But most of what they had at the time was just like 
they didn't really know. They didn't really know what it was caused by. All they had was like the demographic information. They know how much ADHD there was. They don't know what was causing it. And they knew how to treat it with medication and psychotherapy. So I had kind of just written it off as just like an unexplainable kind of like, I don't know. I don't even know if it's real. On the days when I just want to feel shitty about myself, I just, I don't even believe it's real. I just think I'm lazy. And on the days when it is, I don't know. It, it's it's a really easy crutch for self-loathing sometimes where I I can twist it around and make myself feel real shitty about myself. But anyway, that's not the point. I'm learning in this book. One thing that struck me was that it said uh, a key characteristic of ADHD is the anticipation of reward is reduced in people with ADHD. So that feeling that you get when you have an idea like, oh, I should go do this whether it's going to wash the dishes or going for a run or going to watch a movie that you really love or going to make sweet, passionate love to your sexual partner. And whatever that future situation is, it will trigger a reaction in your body and in your brain with the neurotransmitter cocktail that is anticipated to come along with that activity. So let's say it's skydiving and you love skydiving. So when you have the idea like, oh, I'm about to go skydiving, your brain starts prepping your body with the appropriate chemical cocktail to experience that optimally. People with ADHD have a harder time anticipating pleasure. So nothing sounds fun. That feeling where you know you should go work out if you're into that or whatever, the things that you like, but take a little bit of work. That feeling where you're just like, I do not want to fucking do that. That's really common for me. And I know it's common for everybody, but I, I had never I had never put it together that that was part of ADHD before. I had never really made that connection. And I had never really even really thought that I was any different than anybody else. Um, but I have a very hard time with anticipation of that reward system. Nothing ever sounds like it's going to be fun to me. It, and then once I do it, I'm like, oh my God, how did I forget that I love running? How did I forget that I love lifting weights? How did I forget that I love going to dinner with friends? Like, what the fuck? But I do. I always do. And it happens with everything, even like work. How do I forget that I love my job? How do I forget that I love editing podcasts? But I do every time. I I just, and I never put it together before. And it's cool. I I like learning about myself. And it's, it's just fun. It's enlightening. and makes me feel like I'm not alone. There's other people going through very similar things to me. So it's cool. So yeah, one more time, that book is This Is Your Brain on Food by Uma Naidu, MD. Highly recommend. We'll put the Reading Rainbow song in here. Okay, so I guess let's get to the show. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation, scrambled as though it may be, with the charismatic and charming Pat Shank. I could really use a change of scenery. Yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery. Yeah. Close the match because they were handed down to me. But I'm still fly. I'm still fly. I know. I'm still fly. I'm still fly. Let's go. It could all be worse. I could be a hater like you. It could all be worse. But that poison's gonna chew you From the inside out So right now Say it with your chest now Say it with your chest now I'm young, I'm free Can't nobody take me 
first summer I don't have to take off shitty boots because I'm yeah. I, uh, retired from fishing. So you're not fishing at all? Mm-mm. Oh, wow. Nope. Sorry, I've got to... Oh, no. Enjoy your sandwich. My, uh, it's the lunch hour. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to take up all of his time eating a sandwich into the microphone, which Not I think all. would be lovely for the listeners. Yeah, I've had a few uh, episodes where we did that. Yeah. <laughs> I think on Alex Max, he's like chewing a sausage <laughs> into <laughs> well, the mic. Alex Mack. Yeah. That episode was fun to make, but it, it was it took that's probably took three times longer to oh, edit yeah. than everything else. Well, because he's he runs on. Yeah, yeah. He and we he's talked got for a like zillion, five hours. Like, hey, buddy, stories. You know, he's he's got that. Yeah. Guy. He's been that way since he was a kid. I know. You were a shit as a kid. I could and be. I just I just always figured. Well, Jeff's kind of because I used to work an after school program that uh-huh. you uh, you dipped your toes into at least. We we went a few times. The Peninsula Learns. Yeah, is that the one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I used to work there, and I remember you were uh, always I, – I shouldn't be doing this on your part. Oh, no, no. We probably haven't even started yet. But it's just – you were just kind of a, a, a shit, and you were really smart, which kind of fucked things up because you could get away with stuff, and you could see where you could dig your digs in. Yeah. And I thought that was tough, but I thought, well, he just must be having a bad day. Well, most of the time, I didn't, the spotlight wasn't on me because my younger brother, Jake, was much more uh, – Willing to get negative attention. Mm. It might have been your brother then that I'm thinking of. I mean, it's quite possible. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough age, I think, because that was probably when you were in fifth grade or sixth Mm -hmm. grade, something like that. Yeah. That's a weird time for sure. They need to get Peninsula Learns or something like that going again. That was a good program. Yeah. Um, Seems like they're working on it with the community center kind of starting to Yeah, I haven't really even heard a whole lot about that. um, But, man, you know, I... I, I got a ton out of that program. And then I um, also did um, like the Boys and Girls Club for a while and did stuff like that, which uh-huh. was – that was fun too. But I just got tired of dealing with people's mal-raised children. So There's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's and a lot of a them. A lot of them ended up at our doorstep yeah, you know, especially in those, those programs. Kind of programs yeah. Not that they all – I mean, a lot of them are great. But I'm used to that kind of uh, dealing with – uh, that type of kids because I used to teach at the alternative school too. Yeah. The Tlohan Neeps alternative school back in the day. Mm-hmm. And that was a good program for a while too. So, so yeah, that's actually, we can get right into it. I, I figured we would end up talking about education. Yeah. Okay. Um, just because it's something that I'm pretty passionate about. And mm-hmm. it, it just from the outsider looking in, it looks like you are as well. Like you've been well, involved yeah, forever. I mean, I, yeah. I think that the, the well-being of our kids is kind of a major thing. It's so, the well-being of our society. Right, exactly. And so um, so I just think that that's actually headed down kind of a dark, black hole-ish type of looking thing, unfortunately. So Yeah. I mean, yeah. not the school district or anything like that. It's just Nationwide. social media and, and the kids are always plugged in. And I, I'm like the old uh, kids get off my lawn guy now, I think, because I, I sound like an old fogey when I'm talking. And I get I am old, but... Um, but it just seems like I always think, God, you know, we did, we did shit. We, you know, yeah. we were never home. We were out in the neighborhood. There's a lot to do. Yeah. There still is. It's yeah. just, yeah. I mean, I really think that kids don't even think the same way that they used to. I mean, not always in a bad way, but mostly bad. I, yeah. I don't think the change has been all that positive. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater sure. when it comes to social media or Technology in general. Right. Because I a lot love of positive, it. And yeah. I, I'm on it a lot. And, and it's very beneficial. Yeah. But to a kid, to a kid's brain that has not figured out like 
what's kind of dangerous. Like as an adult, you kind of feel those slippery slopes. Yeah. Like when you've been on the Instagram too long and you're like, I, my neck hurts, my eyes, I'm not even enjoying anything I'm seeing. My right. thumb is just scroll, scroll. It's just it's habitual like, at this point. It's just, yeah. it's white noise, but it's, it's kind of white noise that we kind of just are addicted to, which is yeah. kind of a little bit frightening. Yeah. Um, those are powerful but, addictions, the ones that seem kind of benign yeah. because they're they're insidious. They just get in there and uh, over and over and make you just repeat the same behaviors. It's, it's, it's not that great, yeah. but especially for kids. And I think that it takes away any sense of community. I remember when I was a kid, this is a long time ago. I get it now. It's, it's like you reach an age and you quit being charming and you kind of become creepy. You uh-huh. know, I used to always just like flirt, not in a way where I'm trying to get anywhere, but just because uh-huh. that's the way I talk to, you know, people. And You probably do terrible with women, right? I am hideous looking and I trip over myself a lot. So, uh-huh. you know, you uh-huh. got that combination. But <laughs> um, I can't remember where I was going. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. This is your thing. Do you mind if I film you for just a few minutes to make uh, stills for promotional my, materials? My agent did not tell me about that part of the whole thing. I am uh, so sorry. You know what, sorry. though, for you, I'll do it because I really have enjoyed listening to your past episodes of this show. I really, I mean, it's 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 really cool because it's like I have at least some connection with almost every one of your guests, yeah. which is really fun, but but you uh, you do a good job of making it seem like everybody's friends, so that's kind of cool. When you're starting off, too, when you're trying to find guests, the only people you know are the people you know. Exactly. You can't, you know, when you're bringing someone else in, it's a little more discomforting to have to learn about them as you talked about them. Yes. You know, when you know something, like when I locked, listened to you talk with uh, with Jeff, of course, he gets mentioned in every episode. So now I check that off the box. But <laughs> I mean, you guys just obviously love each other and you have a lot of history together. And so it's just great to listen to that. And like with Colton and Hannah and all these people, you know, that it's just, it sounds like such a comfortable and conversation it, it with really everybody. Is. So the, the Jeff episodes are my favorite so far, mm-hmm. just cause he's, well, he's so easy to, and he's just, he's just, just he's open. Yeah. He just says anything and he's your bro. And it's kind of, it's just kind of cool to listen to. So yeah, I was watching a show last night. I, I'm terrible with I've had like, you know, major concussions. I don't Me remember too. stuff in the past. Oh, you've been through that? Oh, I'm pretty positive I have CTE. Oh, okay. Yeah. Almost like almost certainly. I've had some pretty big head impacts, but let's I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, that's fine. I uh Oh, anyhow, um it was this, I don't even know what this doesn't have any relevance. I think it did at one point because that's what my brain does. It jumps around. Me too. Constantly. Oh, this is gonna be perfect. People so, won't be able to follow it, but it'll <laughs> they be interesting. Have no idea what we're talking about. But, um where they, it was in a bar and they were, oh, uh, just trying to make the bar look like a drama. They sold seats to it as a joke to these uh-huh. people saying it was this, you know, this stage production and they just opened a curtain and the people sat there and just watched people at a bar. Nathan for you. Yes. Oh I my God. fucking I, love that show. That guy is so funny and it's so yeah. uncomfortable funny in so yes. many places that, yeah, that's it. Nathan for you. Thank you. Cause Nathan Fielder. Yeah. It's so great. And I, he, way underrated as an entertainer. I'd never even heard of it. I heard of him. I tripped over it on a Netflix search and I thought, oh, well, this looks a little obscure and not run of the mill. So I hidden decided, gem. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not big on the, you know, sitcom type stuff, but I like weird stuff. So yeah. it makes me happy. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my very favorite type of show. Yeah. Is just the little obscure, off the wall comedy stuff that's uh, half the time you're like, is this a comedy? Right. And then when it hits, you're just like, oh, that was worth it. So right. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
I'm just I'm mesmerized by how my voice sounds so sultry and sexy. It's on, good on the radio, so yeah. I'm, I'm liking this. I had a feeling it'd be a good one. I might, yeah, I might just get one of these hooked up and just carry it around with me. I listen to a podcast just because I like the guy's voice. It's uh-huh. like David Sampson, nothing personal or something, but it's just his voice is so interesting to listen to. Yeah. That I, I mean, I think that your voice comes across really well. And another thing you do, you, you're, you're very clear with your speech. You don't mumble or slur, which is great. I just, I, I think you come across really well. Well, thank through, you. So, yeah. um, could you turn the mic just a bit? Yeah, perfect. Like that? Yep. I'm getting all the bars that are necessary now. now. it's getting the full spectrum. Sure. Um, like so let's introduce you. Okay. You're Pat Shank and you're somebody I've seen in the community my whole life. And you're from a long line of fishermen teachers and what you want to tell us a little bit about yourself well i'm my favorite movie is probably the big lebowski because he's the dude and i've kind of built along those lines as you know perfect world for me so Mm -hmm. i don't uh i've worked on boats my almost entire life except for a few years where i was trying to be like a real grown-up and go do jobs in the city and do stuff but it just it didn't feel natural what city I've tried in Portland and I tried in Seattle mm-hmm. and I went to Eugene for a while to play basketball, not for U of O, uh, for Lane Community College. And, uh, but I just tried and I love living in the city. I love taking photos. And so the cities are great for that. Um, you know, rural communities are great for that too, but you run out of topics cause you see yeah. everything, you know, a million times. Um, but yeah, I used to work at after school programs and, and uh, alternative schools where we've already touched on that a little bit. But yeah, that's uh, professionally, it's worked well for me. So mm-hmm. kind of a renaissance man. That sounds way more artistic than what it really feels like. But yeah, that <laughs> comes from like Da Vinci, I think. Yeah. Well, he was one of those. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it just means you do a lot of shit. I do. You yeah. Got a lot of I different like interests to... and irons in the fire. I get bored of doing something. Me so too. I've tried factory jobs. When I was living in the city, I tried driving for a living and all that stuff just kind of yeah. wears my brain out. Not in an active way, but in a death- deadening way. So so do you have a hard time sticking with uh, one thing or is it just that you, you there's so much interesting things out there that you like to keep just moving through them? Well, I just wake up and feel like I want to do this today and I just do that. And they're not like, I'm changing the world. I go for bike rides. I go for hikes. You know, I like to take photos. I sometimes screw around and throw paint at a canvas. I do all sorts of just weird stuff that people, if they had a lot of spare time, they would do. Uh-huh. And I have a lot of spare time. So that's all the stuff I want to do. I, I love doing that stuff. And I wish, like, I would love to build a life where you somehow make money from it. <laughs> like, that that's the key. I'll hold I, a seminar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you 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 could be complimentary uh, student. You could you could be right there. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I would take it. I love going to classes and taking like people are always warning you about those. Uh, don't sign up for any of those online. Like uh, make yourself rich in a week by doing these eight simple steps. If I can get access to those kind of things for free. I think they're great because mm-hmm. a lot of it is like sell you on some bullshit to keep you hooked and get you in this program or whatever. But they take real like success stories and they use real nuggets of information and real psychological tricks that you can use to motivate yourself. All that stuff really works. It's just like you need to have an idea 
of where you want to go. You gotta, you're the one who has to be the motor and also the driver. You can't just rely on some eight steps to be a, becoming rich or whatever. Uh, because like step one is have a good idea. And then they can teach you how to take that idea through the finish line. Sure. Right. Yeah. You got to do a lot of it on your own. But it's not all hucksters out there. There are people with some knowledge to share. But um, so your your dad was a commercial fisherman or a charter fisherman. Charter. Right? Yeah. I mean, charter is a commercial industry. You get paid to do it, but it's more of an entertainment industry. Okay. And the way that we viewed it in my fam was that it wasn't, I mean, we always did very well productive wise as far as catching fish. I mean, dad is a witch. He's always has been amazing. And he taught my brother and myself and, 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 you know, a lot of people how to do it. Um, but is it family secrets? It's not family secrets. Well, let's hear it. Just, how do you do it? <laughs> well, my dad should be on here and just tell you all those things. He's an innovator. My dad, by nature, is just an innovator. He changes things all the time. And I just find something that works and use it until it doesn't work. And then I find something else that might work. I just listened to a podcast yesterday about forms of artificial intelligence that are machine learning algorithms mm -hmm. that can actually make iterative changes as it goes it can add so by the time that it's been running for a while the people who originally wrote the code don't even know exactly how it's doing what it's doing like to have a machine learning program that you train on pictures of dogs so you show it millions of pictures of dogs and eventually i mean it and the, the computer just figures out all right these characteristics these traits went in a photograph in this arrangement usually it's a dog and every once in a while it finds a picture of a pig and it calls it a dog but and you have to teach it that that's not it but you don't know exactly why it made that picture a dog when it's not a dog you don't know why because yeah. at that point the the ai has kind of taken on a life of its own but that sounds kind of like what you're talking about where you're if something's not working you make a change and keep moving something's not working you don't get hung up in like no it has to be this way it's it the rigid structure doesn't right. seem to be important yeah, things change our environment has changed so much out on the water that the animals that live in the water around here have changed so much in the 40 years that I've been involved in the fishing industry. So. How often do you used to see whales in, in the river and the it ocean? It was rare. It was really rare. And now it's an everyday occurrence out there. That's so bizarre. See, yeah. I thought that might have been the case because I never saw whales or heard people talk about whales much no. as a kid. It and, was I, and I used to wonder because yeah. we're on the ocean. Right. But now I see them every summer and it's it just seems strange. I wonder what's bringing them in. Less well, food out there? Or? Yeah, I think they're just in search of, man. They got to, you know, they got to find what they got to find. And there's all sorts of things. I don't want to get too deep in any, like, you know, environmental issues because there's a zillion of them. And, and I don't follow through on researching in my head mm -hmm. deep enough to really go beyond the surface on much of it. But Me, that, that's the thing is that there's so much nuance in fisheries and ecological management period that I don't think any one person can really even hold all that information, no. uh, let alone create a model in their head of how things actually work and what they want the future to look like. It's it's a really big thing to manage. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of important that we figure that shit out. <laughs> we got to, you know, make an AI program that we can do that because, you know, probably will. We'll have to have, make a computer to fix our nature. That'd be, that uh, was how the human, ways, human race was wiped out. <laughs> right, exactly. I know. <laughs> like, uh, it was like you're talking about that stuff. That, that shit's scary to me that, you know, the AI stuff and it's fascinating, and, yeah. but it's also just a bit scary. I mean, it not is. like I'm worried that the computer is going to take over and Armageddon and all that crap. That's not really... 
but it my is, way of it, but it's more just the, what are people going to become, Yeah, you know, when they quit thinking, when they quit, you know, innovating, when they quit, you know, doing stuff like it, you, I think you kind of die, you yeah. know. Um, or you find another way to live. Or you find, right. Like, but I mean, it's like, I think a real big part of us is our, our creativity and our thing. But man, if you all get roped into like a lane, that yeah. this is the way things, you know, like with all stuff, it's either this way or you hate this way, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, it, and there's so much nuance in between those two sides. When people quit seeing the nuance and all the, the in-between ground where creativity is, you know, where you can come up with fresh ideas and think things through. Yeah. And what do you think it is that kind of stimulates that creative urge? Where does that come from and wh why would it go away? Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever given that any thought, but I think it... I think well, it comes let me from, rephrase. well, I think, I think you got to unplug yourself from the machine, you okay. know? And so I think that you could learn a lot. Like I, I put a, just a short little post on Facebook a while back that I got a little shit for, but it was just like, I just said, I bet if people disconnected today from all their electronics, they would have better posts on their social media tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And, and I kind of meant like, I didn't say that people were wrong for doing what they're doing, but I'm just saying if you unplug and just let yourself go for a bike ride or walk to the beach or do just something where you're out in instead of looking at on a screen, then I think there's a lot more to be learned and there's a lot more to feel. And you'll remember it. And you're exactly making memories is exactly right. People don't make, I used to tell my son this, it's like, and it, luckily for me, he wasn't that type. He never got entrenched in computer gamings and stuff like that he's a surfer and he does all that stuff but i just always thought don't plug in because you're not going to remember plugging in when you're my age you're going to look back and say well i spent a lot of time on the computer but there's going to be nothing that stands out now if you go do something with your friends with other people where there is like things that aren't predetermined as an outcome then that's where you grow together and that's where you learn together and luckily for me, he's done that very, very well. Yeah, that's crucial Yeah, to like making a well-rounded person. But it's also becoming invisible in a lot of, I well, mean, it's, it's becoming risky. so, yeah. It's riskier right. than, yeah. than living a life that somebody else prescribed for you through a screen a lot right. of the time. Yeah. And there's a lot more uncertainty and people do not like uncertainty. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. Because like I say, sorry, I bounce. And oh, no, so, let's bounce. But my, uh, like I was at, they had a, a brachi coffee shop in Long Beach a few years back run by these couple guys. I forget their names. They were great. Um, but I was in there one time visiting and there were like eight other people in there. And it just struck me. I know it happens all the time, but sometimes, you know, you see stuff all the time. And if you actually stop and take a conscious picture of what's going on, it's kind of striking. So I was in there and there was like six or seven other people all at tables, some of them right across from each other. And everybody was on their phone. And I'm talking to the owners of the place just because that's what I do when I go to a coffee shop is talk. Mm -hmm. And I looked around and everybody, I mean, one guy actually kind of looked at me like, like, shh, come on, man. It's like, you're reading your goddamn phone. You yeah, don't need library. me to be quiet, you know, yeah. and this is a place where people come to socialize and it's yeah. people are losing the ability to. And I was thinking it would be kind of a neat not that I tr would try to make a business out of it, but try to like a coffee shop where you just unplug. There's yeah. no, there's no any of that. There's a, you get in there, you get to talk to people, you get to share stories, um, things that we're doing right now via the, you know, internet airwaves and such and so forth. But it's just, 
you, you form a connection as opposed to just learning something. Because yeah. Because most of the shit you learn, you're just forgetting right away anyhow. So much. It's there. overload. Yeah. We, we are taking in so much stimulation or not stimulation, so much stimuli mm-hmm. that it, it, there's no way we can remember all of it and don't need to. I remember in school learning about this concept that a lot of what our brain does is actually forgetting. Like The forgetting stuff is actually harder than the remembering. Mm-hmm. Like our brain has to pick through what is going to be important for the future. And that's not an easy thing to do. Our simulator is pretty good, but I mean, it makes a lot of mistakes. But we, uh, yeah, the the interaction thing, the more you're connecting with a real person, you're making eye contact, like you're aware of being in the same physical place. Mm-hmm. There's all that, like you're activating more senses. There's more emotional exchange going on. All of that is going to make a, a richer memory. And I mean, there's a chance that without that stuff, you won't even have a memory at all. Like the, right. this is something I think I've talked about it before, but the concept of like Groundhog's Day where you get up and you do the same morning routine, you go to the same job, see the same people, you say the same bullshitty little small talk every day. Mm-hmm. They're all the same. And right. your brain is just like, well, I'm not going to hold all of that. It's just useless data. Why don't I just condense it all? And that happens all the time. Like you, if you don't have novelty, you don't have novel memories. And right. that, that, that truncates your perception of time. It makes it seem like your life is just flying by when really you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over. I, I, that terrifies me. Yeah. Cause you would, it would happen without realizing it. You would just think you're, think everything is going along just fine. You know, I'm, I'm making money. I'm doing my thing. And all of a sudden you're dead. <laughs> right. It's, well, and it's like the old, the, you know, there's more to learn on the road, less traveled, you know, because you go through that same routine and routine. And yep. that's one of the things last summer that made me believe that it was probably time for me to retire from the fishing industries because I get the same customers a lot, you know, repeats and requests because I'm I'm amazing. So people oh, love me on there. So sorry. You got to put on a show. That. Right. So you do, though. You be, you you kind of be, and like you were saying, it becomes a routine. And mm-hmm. when it starts feeling like a routine, like I'll say a line uh, just about something that happened is one I've used a million times. Right. And and somebody says, oh, you haven't got any new material. Oh. And I thought. You know, he was joking with me, and but I thought, shit, you know what? He's right, though. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it kind of does feel like rinse, repeat, you know, and and nothing has changed. So yeah. it's nice to step off the, off the path once in a while. So yeah, I try. So to what are you doing now do instead? Um, instead, well, I'm kind of trying to figure that out. I've always worked for a friend of mine, Bob Bogar. We do um, when people are remodeling, they have to have an asbestos evaluation done. Mm. So I go and I do sampling for people, and there's actually a lot of that going on. A lot so, of, how much asbestos is in a house that was built? I don't know, around 1968. I mean, there's a there's a good chance there's going to be something found in mm-hmm. that because it was actually in the mid 70s when they started phasing it out a little That's stronger. What I but um, you know, it's as long as it's where it is and it doesn't get disturbed, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. When it's a problem, that's why we have to do what we do with Bob. Uh, critical areas consultant um, is shout out all you want, <laughs> Bob Boger. This is you know, um, but is if they're going to tear a place down because uh-huh. then if you break it, then it becomes friable and it's in the air and that's when it could be problematic. But if it's in a 
roofing tile and the roofing tile is just on the house, it's not going to be a problem. Did so. they make flooring out of linoleum? I oh, mean, yeah. out of uh, yeah. asbestos? Yeah. Okay. That's a real common hit is in the old flooring. The I might linoleum. have you take a look at these flooring tiles before you leave. <laughs> well, it's kind of one of those things I could, you know, do a, do a thing for you, but it's like, uh, I can't tell by looking. You have to send them to a lab. So. Well, it looks like linoleum, mm-hmm. but um, I broke one of them and it didn't break like linoleum. And my brain was immediately like, that's asbestos. You got mesothelioma now, bitch. Why yeah. did you do that? <laughs> put a clear on it, man. Yeah. Just put a, put some sort of coating on it right away so it isn't in the air. We're about to put a new floor over it yeah. anyway. It, but I think it's the original floor from the house and it was built in the 60s. So who knows? But it's Couldn't not- it hurt to clear it up. Just yeah. saying, you know, keep it wet, keep it contained. It's good. Yeah. You know, it's not going to hurt anybody then. So. I mean, it, it hasn't been all torn up or anything, right. so it should be okay. But yeah, that's crazy that people are- uh, just living with that stuff that they were just putting it everywhere. And well, but you know, like I say, if it's as long as it's in a contained space, it's not really problematic mm-hmm. as flooring. It's not gonna, it's not often you're picking up a tile and breaking it in front yeah. of your face. You know, it's not really a thing, but like I say, where well, you're gonna remove it or dump it off in a landfill somewhere, you have to know if it's containing asbestos or not. Yeah. So that's, we do, that's what we do. Yeah, that's good. It's yeah. a good, uh, thing to do um so yeah back to getting to know you a little bit something. god i miss karaoke we haven't been able to do that for a long time now they closed down the lamp right dead now too wow. yeah yeah End my, of an era. my brother wanted to he was talking about buying it so we can get that going again so but yeah i don't think that's gonna happen it's got ghosts anyway. and that and that building is so shot yeah that's so. sorry to the you know re, you know the the retail people that are trying to sell it'll be yeah. interesting just, they should turn it into a mcminimans That'd be cool. Well, they were going to really do that with the, the old DuPays angle. building in Owaco. I think that that just looks like a McMinimum's building. And it those does. apartments upstairs are just beautiful. They got like 14 foot high ceilings. And it's just really hard decorative to, too. All the it's spike. gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. It's just also very, very old. So Yeah. Yeah. I heard they were going to do that. And then they just kind of didn't seem like it went anywhere. I think the project is still, I mean, I was at the city council meeting when they were talking about it and it sounds like it's a go, at least it did. But I think, you know, with COVID and everything else, I think people just kind of lost focus on what it was they were doing. So, yeah. Do you have any good stories about your dad that you would like to share? I'm sure I do. But uh, like I say, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, if you like, drop a window on the floor it's like uh, trying to get to that place in my uh-huh. memory is a hard thing well, keep to do. it in mind and i just remember go. there was okay i remember one time we were out and it was actually his birthday and i was like 13 decking on his boat and i had a couple of my friends on board kent jackson over in england if you hear this um so anyhow we we grabbed dad and we held him over the rail out in the ocean on a bottom fishing trip, and he was playing a nice lingcod. He'd hooked into one of it. He's a, my dad's a great fisherman. I mean, he just even if he's just a customer on the boat, he's he's amazing. He, it's like witchcraft. It was his birthday, and uh, we made we bought coconut cream pies, and we grabbed him when we held him over the rail out in the ocean. And he's a big dude, you know. Yeah. And he's kicking and squirting. We're like 13 and 14, <laughs> and we're hang, hanging on to him over the boat, and he's quite got a fish in his, uh, fishing rod in his hand. And uh, we threw the pies in his face and such. For, <laughs> that was a Father's Day, you know, thing for him. But it's not really a story about dad. Dad's just always been a comfortable guy to be around. Are so. you guys pretty close? Yeah, I would say so. It's like, you know, it. you get to a certain age and there's not really anything new you can tell. I mean, yeah. he likes to go into his stories. He's like 74 now, 75. So, you know, he, he's 
he hasn't made a lot of new stories as uh -huh. of late. So you just hear repeats on the old ones. And I, I have a real hard time just not making that we've heard this shit already skip face, you know, because so, yeah. we've heard it all before. And he probably knows too. But oh, it's like, I yeah, just, but, I'm going to tell it again. Yeah. He's got to contribute something, you know, and mm -hmm. he doesn't have anything recent really, you know, that that we have all are familiar with. So yeah. it's fun. He can I hold catch court. myself doing that as a dad yeah. where I'm just like, I know, like I start telling a story and I, I can, even though I don't remember telling it, I can feel the vibe of my kids mm -hmm. like, oh, this right. one again. And I'm just like, have I told you guys this already? And they usually will tell me if I have. And I'll just be like, well, I'm just going to, I guess I'll just stop now. You guys, you know, the ending, it's fine. <laughs> but I've, I've never, I've never got that vibe against me, but I'm just, you you're know. probably a great storyteller I tell then, I guess. amazing yeah. stories, except for when I'm on a podcast, I knock it down. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, we'll see. We still got a while to go. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Yeah, I was just, I was looking like, you know, at my, my hands and I was trying to fold my socks mm -hmm. and my pinkies are broken so they don't they don't come oh in. my god oh my hands are all messed up so um working on the boat and oh, playing yeah. hoop more than anything it's playing hoops so. jamming them yeah they're just breaking them so um anyhow um and i was just looking at it and i thought i must look absolutely ridiculous trying to fold socks i'm like 52 year old six foot four man and i can't fold socks it just look, must look so stupid to somebody i thought if they walk by and they say, what is wrong with that dude? Well, he's, he, is he mental? <laughs> Why can't he just do this simple thing? And I thought, well, the nice thing is that I could just show them my hands and say, hey, this is what's wrong. It's, it's, you know, it's funny if you want to make it funny. And it is, I don't care, you know, but, but I thought, you know, it, people have broken parts all over the place yeah and you can't see them all and at least with that you could see those broken parts and so it's easy for people to understand mm -hmm. but when you have broken parts that are internal then no people don't they they can't see that and they just think that you're odd yeah you know which i mean we're all kind of well that's the thing is like you may be odd but yeah. that's not necessarily a problem right and like i actually just had a conversation kind of along these lines with my mom right right before we started this but um your mom by the way was this is gonna sound weird was like the first woman i ever noticed oh really she was like a senior in high school in my brother Enrique's oh, class. Oh, noticed, noticed. Noticed, but not in, a, not in a, like a sexual way, but it wasn't, no. I wouldn't hold it against teenage you. I was, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate that. But I was barely teenage because I was like a year younger than everybody in my class. And I was like seventh grade. She had great hair. She had beautiful red hair. And, and, and I remember this, she wanted to sing background for Jackson Brown. She loves Jackson Brown. And, and I thought, and I thought. It was, we were outside of a dance and she was there and I just noticed her because she had like three foot long, just flaming red hair, just beautiful hair. And I thought, wow. And she likes Jackson Brown. She wants to be a singer. And I thought she was really cool, even though I didn't know her from Adam. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, but she was my brother's class. I like that. Class, That's a great so. story. Yeah, it was kind of fun. And, and so trust me, it ended there, but it was <laughs> just like, I, I noticed her and I thought, wow, she's really pretty. That's the first. She will I... love to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, if you're out there, Tori, Tori White, it was then. I yep. think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right on. So but, yeah. Yeah. She still sings. She's still, she's been musical forever. Right. And, on. and I'm pretty sure she's still in love with Jackson Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard a podcast with him and Mark Marin the oh, other really? day. He so. was on WTF. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a pretty good show. It is. I really enjoy that one. Yeah. So. He's one of the original, like, it's kind of long form sit down and 
kind of dig in type podcast. Yeah. Well, especially when he's digging into himself and his wife passed. That was really sad to listen to. Yeah, was like, I actually or his didn't, girlfriend, I didn't guess, get but. that. Okay. Uh, I, I haven't listened to his show for probably about a year. Yeah. But just the rawness of it all was oh, the yeah. part that I really enjoyed. And that's what I like listening to, like you and Jeff. It's, uh-huh. it's raw and you, you touch nerves in there. But it's it's like somehow comfortable to listen to even, you yeah. know. And I know Jeff. I mean, I've known Jeff forever. Uh, what it? I get from a lot of people is like uh, about Jeff. They're like, it felt like having an actual conversation with Jeff. It's like, I've had that conversation with Jeff. And yeah. it's like, it's true. That's yeah. how it's like how we really talk when we're, it's just us. Mm-hmm. I work in here as like my office too. So sometimes he'll stop by and just sit down while... I'm working and we'll, an hour later, I'll realize that we're not recording. I'm just like, oh shit, we're not on a podcast. We're just hanging out. <laughs> we're just talking. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. Well, like, so I knew we were going to get into Jeff because Jeff's been on like three or four of these things. And, you know, I've, I've had some experiences with Jeff, not bad or anything like that. I remember him as a kid mm-hmm. and uh, he stood oh, out. Yeah, he was a big Peninsula Learns kid. Yeah. 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 He went all the time. He and... um um Luke. Luke, right. Luke Jensen, uh, rest his soul. God, that kid, he, I was decking on a boat called the Sea Venture and he wanted to get into decking and he was working on the boat next to me when he was just starting off uh-huh. and he loved it. He loved being a part of it all. And I hate the fact that it ended up with, you know, what happened yeah. to him. So. I have never known a person who was that gung-ho about the fishing life. Yeah. Like not just about fish or about the fishing or boats, but about everything that had to do with fisheries, biology, like everything. Yeah. He was all about it. He was a super bright kid and he was really into that. Normally you don't see, this is going to sound bad to all the fishermen in the area. You don't see the like the really critical thinkers and the, you know, the, the very smart kids showing that kind of an interest in a blue collar type of a society industry. doesn't funnel them that direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was a lot of guys that surprised the hell out of me with what they talk about the intelligence on the water. I mean, there's oh, they're smart guys for there's sure. All of them are, I mean, but it's funny. They get kind of brushed into a area where people think, Oh, they're, you know, they, you know, car yeah. wearing blah, blah, blah. And they're just not, you know, it's like, dude, this, the smart humans every direction you look. Yeah, so. for sure. But yeah, I know I you're totally right. They get kind of uh typecast. Yeah. As, and it's I mean it's not an academic profession right. as a fisherman, but it requires a lot of knowledge and yeah. a lot of skills. When there's I mean there's tons of tons of knowledge. It's like not all of it, you know, is in you know, in line with academia. I mean that's not just, all of it's even in books. No, I know it. That's it's just the ability, like we're saying, to think we're jumping again. I'm sorry. We will do it for the entire show. <laughs> okay. Like, that's, that's all right. You could just in editing you could put what belongs with what like most a puzzle. of the time I don't finish a lot of conversations. I start a lot and I finish very few. By the way, we're not talking about cryptocurrency. I will walk the fuck out of here if we start talking about cryptocurrency. Have you not uh, got into that yet? It's going to happen. I don't Somebody's going to force you at some point. I'm just not going to partake in a conversation. Oh, man. Okay, well, that takes out the second hour. (laughs) I guess we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I just, because like I I was trying to get to before, I was like, you know, I knew we were going to talk about Jeff, but. So we covered that, but I'm not going crypto. That's fine. That's fine. I'm actually kind of burned <laughs> out right now anyway. I don't anyway. know anything. I know absolutely nothing. I'm an old man. I don't know anything about it. I'm it's, not against in any way, shape, or form. I think the whole financial model is kind of a messed up, broken machine anyhow. Crypto is going to fix it I, and a it, little it bit. It needs something. It yeah. needs something. It's just I've got all sorts of like theories on all that shit too. But You ever get into conspiracies? 
Um, I'd make up my own. I don't join other people's. Oh, that is that sounds way more interesting. Well, but I don't read anything. I'm I'm essentially illiterate. As <laughs> I I'm I know you laugh. It's it's kind of well, fun that essentially that. illiterate. What does that mean? Well, I probably used the wrong word, but I well, it's because you're function- illiterate. I'm functionally. I'm sorry. I'm functionally. Oh, okay. Illiterate. Are you dyslexic though, for real? I'm not dyslexic. It was from, it's kind of a weird thing. I don't want to get too much into woe is me shit, but it was like, I had a really bad concussion when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I was like a top student. That's why I was a year younger than everybody in my class. Cause they moved me up when I was a kid. They thought I was, I should be in the grade above and all that. So because you were big and no, smart. I wasn't big. I was, I, I wasn't big until my junior year in high school. I was oh, kind really? of a little guy. Anyhow. So back then concussions were just like, you know, I was out for hours and hours. I was unconscious. Oh, wow. That's a bad one. Yeah. It was pretty severe. That's a coma, isn't it? it, I don't know if they called it a coma back then, but I was, I mean, I don't remember anything from the time I hit the ground till my aunt was holding my hand and patting and talking to me on the stretcher. Um, And what happened? uh, It was a rope swing and it was at my cousin's house and it was great, but they had this tree up on a hill and then the hill dropped down about 10 feet and a sloped yard and we tied a a loop in the middle of the rope and you'd stand up on the top of the hill and the guys at the bottom you'd get you just boom they'd pull on it you'd get flung out with this you know just high energy a lot of leverage a lot of leverage and you're just getting flung and i have weak hands and i've always kind of had weak hands and so uh, I was hanging on to the thing and they actually got a couple other neighborhood kids, you know, because I said, oh, do it. Or, you know, I want to, you know, fling me really good because <laughs> oh, I was like, no. you know, I was like 10 or something and, and, <laughs> or I can't remember 11, but so they got a couple extra kids at the bottom of the rope and they all went, wham, and they did it. And I flung off. And so I'm flying like probably 15 feet in the air and just spinning. I landed on my head Oh my god! in the yard. And like I say, back then, as soon as your eyes opened back up and you were able to say something, oh, he's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but, but I couldn't read anymore. It's like, that's when I got to the point where I couldn't hold a thought for more. I mean, I, I say I jump around. I literally do jump around. I have a hard time staying in the same lane mm-hmm. uh, in my head since I was like 11. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's, I, I had to finish school just, you know, just going by, uh, trying to use, um, just, just thinking about what made most sense because I couldn't absorb any information from books because I wow. can't read. I mean, I can, I can read words, but I get lost after about two or three sentences. So it's like a problem with integration. It's just a problem of absorption and staying in the lane. You yeah. know, I just, I, I notice shit all around me and not like making believe, but I mean, I just see like a fly on the wall or whatever. And then I think about, you know, how long he's been there and, and, you know, I kind of anticipate when he's going to move again. Then I think I could use something to drink and, you know, not, yeah. I don't That sounds very much drink. like ADHD. Well, it probably also is. wasn't really something they no, were it wasn't. talking about. This, then. We're talking, you know, 1978. They didn't yeah. diagnose ADHD or anything. Well, how, so. how, what year were you born? 68. Uh, I thought you were younger than that. That's crazy. No, 52. So you're aging well. Thank you. Um, the, yeah, the thing about the attention though, that sounds like identical to like the symptoms of uh, severe ADHD, Yeah, which I am diagnosed with. And that sounds exactly like what it's like to try to sit down and read a book in a, in a place where there's people coming and going out of the room. Not a chance. Right. No chance I'm going to be able to like absorb this information. And I kind of attribute it to like, I, I'm hypervigilant. I have a little anxiety and I'm just always on guard. When I go to a restaurant, 
I got to sit against the wall or I won't enjoy the meal. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like to have people being able to just walk up behind me. Um, or it's just all the time, pretty much. Or like I used to not be able to sleep on the school bus. And that was something that everyone would be irritated by because I also got sick on the school bus. Or How did you go to CISPUS? That was a long trip. That was like a CISPUS six... was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh I remember that. It was so much fun. I worked at CISPUS for a couple of years. But oh, you're it's a great about... camp. It's it was a great, great camp. And the but... whole idea of it, I think, is great. The yeah. bonding with the upperclassmen and all yeah, that exactly. stuff, I think is, it's it's been lost for a long time. And I bummed. It's funny, when Mount St. Helens blew uh -huh. before my sixth grade year, so I didn't get to do it. Oh. My brother got to do it and he loved it. And I thought I was looking forward to that so much. And then Mount St. Helens blew the summer before my sixth grade year. So they quit doing it. Oh, man. And I didn't get to do it. And then when my son was in school going through, they quit the program the year before his sixth grade you year. You both too. got screwed. We both got screwed. That's, out of yeah, it was, and it was <laughs> something that I, like everyone talked about it for the years leading up to it. It yeah, was a big deal. It was, it was like a big deal. It was, it was the reward at the end of your grade school year to yes. be able to go to Camp Cispus yeah. and have that big bonding experience. I remember we had the... Uh, counselors and Burton Walters and he brought his guitar and we're... Burton Walters was a counselor when I went. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember when you were there. Oh, oh, you're talking I had about to that. Hike, okay, I had to yeah. hike up into the woods to go look for the kid that got away on the early bird hike. Yeah. People, people so I didn't keep a good eye on those kids. I didn't go on the early bird hike. They, they said, hey, we got a stray kid in the woods. He Ooh. made it back all right. <laughs> it was he you. Made it back. God, I remember going up in the woods and we're all just frantically running through the woods looking for you. I didn't find you. You just eventually showed up. I made it back up. on my own. I was but, very savvy in the woods. Yeah. But I was like, God damn it. You know, I was thinking, I, I, I didn't sleep well last night. I got to get up and go find this fucking kid. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. That was you. God, I'm, that's, that's, it's amazing that I like you now. Cause uh, you know, I made a choice. <laughs> I had to, had to follow through with it. <laughs> But yeah, it could have ended better for me too. If you're listening to this, you don't know what we're talking about. He's he's trying to be polite and not bring up the fact that I shit my pants on a camp hike. <laughs> I didn't even remember in the that sixth part. grade. I yeah, did I talked remember about this. I remembered the, it on the podcast. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You talked about it. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I didn't bring that back. I didn't mean to bring I that think up. It's for hilarious that story. I, I don't that, mind at all. I am. I apologize. I did not mean to bring that up for that very reason. Uh, but it's it's interesting. I had forgotten that you were on that trip. Yeah, I taught the uh, the owl pellet class. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I still talk about that. I, to, <laughs> I, I was just talking about that with my kids like a few months ago. We we, we find those around because like, yeah. uh -huh. uh, we do quite a bit of hiking. And um, the first times I like brought them up, well, I'll just like stick one in a sandwich bag and bring it home. Right. And the kids are like, that's like owl poop. I was like, not poo, but similar, yeah. <laughs> yeah and we'll yeah. Just, we're just going to take it apart and see if we can put together a little mouse skeleton. Yeah, that was fun. It's really the cool. The kids loved it. I think yeah. that was that was they liked they liked that class a lot. So mm -hmm. that was that was fun for me to do that. So right on. Yeah, where were we? I we just bounced too far. I lost track. It was. Uh, I knew this was going to be a challenge for you with me. Oh no, it's a challenge <laughs> I'm willing to take on. Um, How did we get to that? Shit, we took a couple off roads. Oh, ADHD. Oh, sure. That's <laughs> right. There you go. No wonder. And CTE. Yeah, well, that's a few turns away. <laughs> but it all it all comes, you know, it all makes sense now. Yeah. So I find it interesting that everybody only has their own experience to reference in sure. like in the way it feels to be a human. And that makes it really interesting that that we have like general like a general idea of what things are supposed to be like and it's all based on like the bell curve. How like normal, regular functioning falls within these parameters. And then if you're on the fringes where like you're either high or low for whatever measure, 
like anxiety or extroversion or whatever. Everything could be just described on that on that bell curve for human populations. But there's really no way of knowing whether or not our experiences are even similar because like what is a baseline normal regular day for me might feel like torture to the next person. Mm. Like me, I have a really high need for stimulation and I get depressed if I don't have it. Not only does that mean I'm always consuming caffeine, that extends to other areas of my life. Like I need physical stimulation. I, I, I need to be working out. I need to be having sex. I need to be moving my body and right. everything. I'm a highly sensitive and I need to be stimulated. And um, not very many people are like that. So it's, it's people talk about what they need and what they are expected to be like. And I, I never really know what to make of it because it's just like, I'm probably not like you. So how do we even know what we're supposed to be like? I don't remember where we started on that topic. I can't remember, but I was, <sighs> remember just thinking about the, like the bell curve you're talking about. I just hmm. kind of view each person as what, you know, like not where they are in the bell curve necessarily, but maybe they're redefining the curve. You yeah. know, because we don't know. We don't know inside that person their experiences and how they were just genetically made up, you know. To, That's where to I was be, going, actually. And it's kind of, yeah. it's, well, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Finishing each other's sentences. Yeah, exactly. We're both like scattered, but we're getting through it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, just because it, there's a curve doesn't mean you fit on it. You could yeah. be redefining it. You could be the extreme outside of this end of it, you know. Yeah. Or this this high point or whatever, you know, you could be a different person. It doesn't necessarily mean it applies to you. I think yeah. individualism is, I think it's super important and it's getting a little lost because we're getting very, uh, uh, what are those lemmings or whatever that, you know, jump yeah. up. It, we're, sheep. Yeah, sheep. We're getting very kind of like that in a lot of ways. So I think it's important to explore ways to keep ourselves as individuals as opposed to because it said so on the internet, I'm probably that. Yeah. It's like, eh, it doesn't mean so. Uh -uh. Yeah. Yeah, we get in a real big hurry to label ourselves by, like, read, reading label. horoscopes is a yeah. great example. Yeah. Like, I can sit down and read my horoscope. I'm a Libra. And it, it fits almost every time because I want it to. Right. And they're written to. Yeah. And yeah. then I can just put down the, the paper and, you know, go do something else. But if I actually read maybe the Scorpio one or the Leo one and I pretend that I am a Leo, that one that fits, fits suddenly too. Yeah. It's all about expectations and like you can trick yourself into believing just about anything. And if you can, I mean, you can take that knowledge and use it to build the life you want and be the person you want to be by just believing that you already are. Sure. You're talking about going, like, if you go to a restaurant, you have to sit against the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hypervigilance. Hypervigilance, right. And it's like, I'm not this way in any other ways, but it's weird because it made me think that when I'm in a restaurant, if there's a crooked picture mm -hmm. in the restaurant of artwork of any kind, I cannot relax and eat until I straighten it, which is a weirdness. And people that go out and do things like that with me know so they aren't too offended. And most of the local restaurant, they know because it's mm -hmm. me and they just say, oh yeah, Pat's kind of wacko. He needs to do this. <laughs> so I really can't just relax or we'll be thinking about it the whole time. And so I kind of like that. That's my restaurant thing. Yeah. You just do it at restaurants? It's only at restaurants that it bothers me. Uh, what about your own house? Oh, my own house is a mess. So the pictures can be crooked? Uh, they're my, my house is interesting. So it's probably got something to do with the context of like, this is supposed to be a nice place or something in your deep down in your brain. Where do you think it comes from? I, do you remember the first time you ever did it? 
No. I mean, it hap- It was a later in life thing. I didn't even notice most mm-hmm. of the time, but I think it probably happened, I don't know, about the weird thing. I think it happened about the time I became a single dad. Uh-huh. And I don't know why that would be. Maybe just, but I think that's about the only, like, intersection with Here's things. one thing I can control. Right. I can make this picture straight. Right. If I, if I go someplace with my kid, he can at least have a little bit of, you know, normalcy and things can be perfect here because like at my house, my house is a mess. My house is 122 years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a real. So that's how you grew up It's 132 in? years old. No, uh-uh. No, I, I live, I've got a house. It's a dead end street in Owaco. Mm. So I'm in the slums of Owaco. Oh, that's a good town to be in, except yeah. for the water prices. My God. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. And I think it's all because my pipes leak, and so they have to keep <laughs> raising the yeah. rates. So 132-year-old house, that's like, what would it be? 1890. 1800s. Wow. 1890 when it was built. There yeah. were barely people here then. Yeah. I mean, white It was people. like the first people, like the Cola Brothers, I guess, came and started building boats and homes here. And the big boat shed, which John Grocott owns is the or, their old boat shed that they used to to build. And my house is like right behind it. Mm-hmm. So I think they built my house to live in while they were working on the boat shed. I'm, oh, wow. I'm making connections that maybe or may not there. So. Yeah, well, all those people are dead anyway. So yeah, they, they, who's going to call me? They're not going to call you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I'm 6'4", 250. What are they going to say? Yeah. So, yeah people just, were small back then, yeah, too. Yeah, they were tiny. <laughs> Although yeah. they were Norwegian stock, so they were a little bigger than average probably. Yeah, they were probably pretty feisty. Yeah. I just, I mean, I read it, actually, I read it while I was painting this room, um, listened to it. I don't read with my eyes anymore. That's what you told me. You yeah. just, or I've listened on your podcast that you just do all your reading through your ears. Yeah, it's way faster. I th- actually gave that a thought because I thought maybe I could read if I was listening to it. I don't know. It's nice. And it's, especially if the author is reading it, because then I actually know that they're conveying the right tone. I, I don't like it when some old British guy is reading me a book that was written by like, a young American woman. Like, yeah, I, it, it just doesn't fit the it yeah. doesn't fit the voice that's telling it. I mean, nah. it's the voice that's audibly telling it, but it's not the voice that's telling the story. Initially, yeah, so. even if it's like from an omnipresent narrator perspective, where it's like you don't the narrator's nameless, sexless, all that. I still want to just know that like the vibe of the author is is going to get through because there's so much communicated through tone and just like cadence and all of that. So it's important. But yeah, uh, this book called Deep River, it's about, strangely enough, not about Deep River, but it's about the Nacelle River and uh-huh. like the logging camps that were, and just like the polit- politics and the labor disputes and stuff that of, of that time period, probably around the time your house was built. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it was pretty interesting. But yeah, they talked a lot about like the different ethnic groups that, that came over which was kind of refreshing to hear people talk about ethnicity in reference to white people because most of the time we just don't have an ethnicity. Right. It's just like, oh, you're just normal, which is racist in itself. <laughs> right. Like to, to assume that whiteness makes normal. But yeah, in the book, they talk about like the Finns and just like some of the cultural stuff that they brought over with them. And it was pretty cool. But yeah, they, they sound like fighters is, is yeah. what I was getting at. People who had to walk back from work and, you know, have to possibly fight a bear you know you never know those are tough people right yeah well there's a much less refined world you had to be yeah. a lot more ready yeah i was thinking about that if i were to write my memoirs i think i'd have gilbert godfrey be the narrator <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i remember when i was a kid hearing his voice and just being like 
who put this motherfucker on TV? <laughs> like, why? But now, exactly as an adult, because of that reason. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I love it. I, I kind of just like the fact that he's maintained a career that entire time, and uh, I was like, yeah. I'll get on board. <laughs> and he also, he's funny. He's like he's funny, a great just, joke writer. His voice is so obnoxious. I just yeah, think and that would be perfect for my, uh, to tell my story, I think. Reminds it, me of that movie, The Problem Child, with like John Ritter, where he adopts a kid. I think Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey was the adoption agent. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so speaking of books, uh, you're, uh, you ever think about actually writing a book? No, well, yeah, I actually have thought about it, but again, it's just, I think I would need really just to talk to a writer and mm -hmm. let them like organize everything. I have weird ideas for like, but I don't know. I just think they're weird, but it's like, I always thought it would be kind of fun to get like all the historical noted philosophers on a charter fishing trip out sturgeon fishing on the river because it's such a peaceful thing and so many things come up as far as interactions with other boat and interactions with mother nature and and the process of bringing a fish in and and all the thing it would just i think it'd be really interesting to see how all the different philosophies would view all these similar events that they're all experiencing together and how they would turn that into you know the reality of what happened on their day that I just would think, make a great book. I just think it would be kind of fun, you yeah. know. That that sounds like a good, a really a good book, or at the very least, you could make a really interesting short story. Yeah, it, it's just that'd be a great vehicle for communicating these ideas. I think so too, because it's not through any one set of eyes. It would be. I think that's the thing that would be fascinating about it is like, it didn't even have to be philosophers. It could just be people of different ethnicities, people from different worlds. You know, people from that have experienced completely different lives and the way that we, they all react to a shared stimulus, I think is kind of an interesting idea in my head, but it just bounces around in there and then it gets lost in the vines. It's bouncing around in mine right now. And I'm there, thinking you of you got it. You different got ways that it could go. <laughs> I get, That's I get a at really, least a credit. It's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> the, I, I picture like just in the fisheries alone, you get somebody in there who's like a biologist with Washington fish and wildlife talking to somebody who's like, well, I mean, if you want to go like really abstract with the get Socrates in there or Plato, that's somebody the people who, I was thinking of things yeah, like, you know, these discuss these, the tragedy of the right. commons and yeah. like just like what it really means to be part of a society and to share in these resources and all that stuff. And I'll have to be on the same vehicle. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they, it's not like you can get away from each other either, you know, so yeah. you have to, it's not like you could jump off the boat, it, you know, you're, you're stuck. And so mm -hmm. you would have to learn to work through things and, and find some sort of commonality of find some way to work through all these situations as a shared kind of experience. So. Yeah. How do you talk to people who think that fishing, whether it be commercial fishing or sports fishing, because I've heard people talking shit about both. How do you talk to people who are just anti-fishing and they think that they've done damage to the fisheries and the oceans and things like that? Well, I mean, I, I think they're all entitled to whatever they want in that regard. It's not like... I mean, I don't think it's great. You know, I, my, uh, my daughter, she, she goes, she told me a long time ago when she was like six, she goes, dad, I'm, I like, I'm okay with that fact. You're a fisherman, but I don't like that you kill fish. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's, I get that. You're, mm -hmm. you're totally allowed to that, that thought. Um, but you know, I just say what I, what we do 
I, I can only go from that viewpoint. Sorry, at this point, I might mean, could try on the other ones, but I mean, we do entertainment industry. Yeah. So we're out there, we're selling a trip. We're not selling fish. So from our perspective, the people that are on board want to be there and, and we do it like that. Now I have a friend, Joshua Saranpa, who runs the like the Eagle Sanctuary or something like that, the wildlife, something over, I'm not sure where it is, across the river. Nice, nice dude. But he uh, he was talking about sea lions and how, you know, they should be, you know, spared and all this stuff. And I thought, well, yeah, I guess. But it's not really the fishermen. It's the fishermen is part of the human race because it's the environmental problems. It's not, yeah. it's not the fish hooks and it's not... I mean, the nets can be pretty, you know, pretty there's, damaging. There's a lot of, of, of things that could be better. Yeah, there's, um, there's a yeah. lot of things. But I mean, gosh, back in the day when they did all that, that wasn't a problem. I mean, it was – and yeah. then try, trying world. to pare it down time-wise isn't maybe the best way to do it, you know, as far as to how long your season is. I mean, there's just – they try to do everything with quotas, but there's bycatch and everything, you know, and all almost all commercial fisheries and just so things that aren't – are protected or not supposed to get hurt or getting killed all the time. And it's yeah. imperfect. I mean, you can't, I mean, I, I shouldn't say you can't, but it, nobody's figured out a way yet to just pick what we need out of the industry and make that work for everybody. But they're, they're entitled to their opinion. I agree with a lot of this stuff. I'm well, not, the reason I ask is because I, I'm looking towards a future living in a community that really depends on fish. Like mm-hmm. the presence of fish is a must for fisheries to exist. And I, I think that a lot of the country just has a really easy time saying, close the fisheries. If we're having a problem with the fish, you know, being overfished or pollution making the habitat more and more limited, just don't let people do it anymore. And they might do that with a motherfucking fillet of fish in their hands. Like, yeah, right. That people, they don't understand the full picture. Right. Or and, as they spray Roundup on their yard or do yeah. whatever it is they're doing, all these things that, I mean, you've worked in the Bay using the poisons and up there to Roundup try to kill things and all bay. that stuff. Like yeah. There's, so, there's a whole, so I mean, all those things there. are probably bigger detriment to the, the environment, the, the living marine environment than, than any of the fisheries. I mean, I would think that people, as long as it doesn't affect them, they want it changed. I just think it's important that we talk about stuff that is complicated as much as possible, just so people realize that it is really complicated. Yeah, and right. Because a lot of people just read headlines. Roundup is a great example. There's been so many headlines in the last two years that about how Roundup is going to cause cancer, Roundup this, Roundup that. And then we started seeing those court rulings where the judge is awarding hundreds of millions of dollars in, in penalties against Bayer and Monsanto for this product without actually having proof that it did anything wrong. And it's based off of anecdotes and speculation. And most of that stuff is like, you follow the line A to B. Yeah, that this thing probably got you sick. If and But there hasn't been like controlled experiments and it hasn't been documented in a lab somewhere that that stuff causes cancer or anything like that because they can't do that. Like mm-hmm. you can't run an experiment that's going to give somebody cancer just to prove that it right. does. Like, yeah. That's not ever going to happen. Yeah. You'd have a hard time finding volunteers. And so it's just like overly complicated. More than anyone can hold in their head and make an informed decision. So because of that, we have to do it as a collective. We right. cannot just trust one or two people to make these decisions for us. And 
And I think fisheries management is the same way. I talked to a lot of different people and the story is so different. If you're talking to a commercial fisherman versus a policymaker versus somebody who lives in the community but doesn't actually have anything to do with fishing, they don't live in the same reality. I just think it's important that we kind of try to figure out what we do know and what we don't know and like look for the in-betweens. What in your industry do people not understand? Like what, what don't people know that would help them to understand the bigger picture? It's, it's different. I, I'm not a commercial fish. My son goes and fishes with the omens up in Alaska and he does Has that. he left yet? Uh, yeah. Well, they left, I think either yesterday or today. My son left yesterday. Uh huh. His first time up there. Oh, really? How old is yeah. your son? 12. He's going up to Alaska. Yeah. Hallelujah. Good work, man. That's, yeah. That'll be, been, it's a great, going to be an interesting experience. He's with people that you, you know. He's with his papa. His papa. Okay. He's been grandpa. Up, who's right. been going up yeah. there since the sure. 80s or oh, 70s. Oh, that's right. That's, that's, he's going up there with family. It's all yeah. good. So. I'm terrified. It, <laughs> the whole thing is yeah. hard, but, um, but it's going to be yeah, fine. I know. Yeah. I know it'll be fine. Justice says it's all, it's, it's, it's a really cool experience. It's very frontiersy. It's very, you know, but it doesn't feel dangerous necessarily. He says mm-hmm. it's just kind of, it's very cool. So. Yeah. I think the bar, crossing the bar out here is probably oh, just as dangerous. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. think so. You know, well, you, you got to be smart all the time. I mean, people mm-hmm. just got to respect the water. They don't too often. Every year, one of those fucking little jet sleds flips and people go, oh, my God, it's it's like it was a jet sled. They have no business being out across the bar. Does oh, it, like a jet ski? The jet sled. You I know, know those, what that is. Those, um, those guide boats, you know, those, uh-huh. th- those things aren't made for that, man. They're flat bottom. Mm. And so they're nice boats. They're beautiful, but they don't belong crossing the Columbia River bar. It's, yeah. Like I say, every year you, you, you hear of, you see, I've seen, you know, them flip. It's like, yeah. Jesus, you know? Yeah. You don't want to mess around with water. Uh, People don't realize how strong it is. Yeah. It's really, really not to be fucked with. No. Have you ever done like uh, long trips, like where you go out for a couple of weeks on the ocean? No, I wouldn't be. I like to go home every night. I don't like I I've never been one to really like being on the boat that mm-hmm. long. We used to have to live on the boat when we're fishing out of Newport because our seasons got so restricted here that we took our boats down to Newport and just lived on our boats and worked the summer down there. And the experience because we met some cool folks and all down there, it was all good. But I just, I like to get off the damn boat. I don't like yeah. to be on the boat. That would be hard, especially if your, you know, attention's scattered all over the place. You, you run out of stuff to look at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You get kind of just bored being, I mean, the days are long. I mean, generally, you know, shout out to all the people in this charter industry around here. People think yeah. that chartering is kind of the soft fisherman's outlet. That's kind of bullshit. You know, it's like it's, two jobs. It's super hard. And you're working 12 hour days. I mean, almost every day. From, you know, sun up to sundown, you're working, you yeah. know, getting the boat ready, going out and doing the trip. How many trips do they up. usually do in a day? It's just a day, one one trip a day, but the days are long and you're constantly on stage with your customers, which, I mean, I, I've had a great relationship with a lot of my customers, but you don't, you know, it's work to yeah. keep people entertained all the time. I imagine it's especially work on the days when they're not catching when they're fish. Not, yeah. Slow yeah. days kind of suck for that. But people like them kind of because they get a bigger experience out there. Yeah. Sometimes you go out there, you just rail them and you come back and they're going, well, shit, that was, I thought we were going to be out there all day, you know? Yeah. So go get yeah. Some it breakfast. must be a little bit yeah. of a letdown. Kind of. But some people are in for that. You know, everybody's got their own thing. Everybody's I get got like their that when I'm digging clams or picking mushrooms. It's uh-huh. like, you don't want to be out there all day, but you also don't want to just like, 
do it as fast as you can dig 15 clams. Like I like to look around a little bit, get to experience the day. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of breathe it all in. It's it's an experience you don't want to end too quick. And yeah, exactly. I feel a little bit guilty on the days when we just roll them, but mm-hmm. you know, by that, I, I'm happy for the day that's sub 10 hours. So yeah. Do you ever just dump those people off, grab new people and go back out? We have. I remember one year when my brother and I were running my dad's boat, he was 19 and I was 17, I think. So people get down to the boat and, you know, big at mm-hmm. least my brother's this little guy and people get on the boat and they see us and we both looked, I mean, you say, I look good for my age. I've, I've always looked like 10 years younger than my, I ought to be like uh-huh. I was 13. I looked like I was four, you know, I just, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's just a thing. I don't know, but you're so, lucky. I've always had old face. It's the opposite. Yeah, I, you, even when I was like 12, it was like, you 16. You look really bad. That sounds rude. To I know. Say, no, it's, uh, it's, I get it all the time. Yeah. That's yeah. uh, okay. Oh, I, uh, I asked my last guest about a skincare <laughs> regimen and she wasn't helping me. I, so. she, she's the only guest you've had that I didn't know at all, uh-huh. but I really, really enjoyed her spirit. She had a lot of energy. Yeah. She's that, great. Yeah. That was she, fun. She's actively trying to find the good stuff like yeah. in life. Like, that's awesome. We talked a lot about that where it's just like trying to focus on the stuff that you enjoy and not focus on the stuff you don't like it's just like it was a refreshing conversation it's yeah. good yeah yeah i'm gonna try to get more people from outside of the the immediate peninsula circle yeah and you're gonna grow your audience that way too yeah yeah so i think that's probably the most organic way to do it everyone's got friends right everyone's got connections and well i'm sure you have little. a lot of people that are just want to be on your show i was glad when you asked yeah initially it was just like who could I possibly get? Who would want to do this weird thing? Well, and if you can't stand rejection, ask the easy girl. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten so used to rejection. I don't mind it at all. <laughs> I, I get- Well, uh, for something like this, I could I could get it. Some people just don't want feel comfortable coming on to talk yeah. about stuff. I'm a little bit tight, but I don't, I feel like I'm not. It seems like it's going pretty smooth. Good. Yeah. A lot of people are are just like, I don't know. Why, why would I want to do that? It's just like not everybody has- uh, a need for attention, I guess. And I want that not to be what I'm doing here. It's mm-hmm. like just trying to get attention, but I guess I do want attention. I want people to listen to the show. As humans, that's kind of a thing we, yeah. we do. I mean, from the time we're born, the thing we want is to be picked up and held, yeah. you know, and, and it never really goes away. It just, it does go away. I mean, the, the opportunities for that go away. Yeah. And so you end up being a little bit like craving it, you know? Yeah, no one ever picks me up and holds me anymore. I'll, I'll do it after the show if you want. <laughs> you probably could. <laughs> <laughs> you should have Jeff do that for you. He's oh, a big, yeah. powerful dude. He's a lot He's a lot stronger than I am, but I think I could take him because I'm meaner. Oh, yeah. He's a big softie. No. <laughs> he's, he's actually, he's got some wrestling skills though. So that, that might sneak up on you. It yeah, just, he's a good dude. Yeah. I remember I was just thinking when we were at the Peninsula Learns, I'm bouncing again. Yeah. This is going to be so hard to edit. But I remember we were at the Peninsula Learns group and we went down in the... Um, God, what was her name? One of the teachers. She was a sixth grade teacher, dark haired, short lady. Joe Peterson? Yeah, Joe Peterson's son. Uh, Chris Beckin. Chris Beckin was a wrestler and he was a senior that year or something. And we went down to, you know, bring the kids down to the wrestling room and show them some stuff. So Chris gets up on my back because they needed the volunteer. He was he, big. Oh, yeah. And he goes, Shank, I got you. You know, come on out here because there's nobody else big enough in the Peninsula Learns program. I mean, I'm a big dorky dude. So he gets in there and he said, you want up or down? I said, down. He was going to show the kids wrestling moves. Well, I'm looking over at the kids who I'm trying to get to be my fans, essentially, you know, because I want them to come to my program and have a good time. And I always felt like I got along pretty good with that group of kids. So 
anyhow, they're kind of looking at me like, get him, Shank. And so Beckham's on top of me getting ready to start. And he goes, okay, go. And I don't know how I did, but I just jumped up with him on my back and grabbed his leg and his arm. And I stood up and I fell on my back and pinned him in like 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like a pretty good wrestler. He was a good wrestler. He He didn't. It was the old man strength thing, and it was also he didn't expect me to do that. He probably didn't know you could just stand up. Well, he, and he was thinking he's doing a demonstration for the kids. He's yeah. gonna show him some shit, and I just kind of ruined it for him. So if you're out there, Chris Beckin, sorry, dude, he was a good guy about it. People aren't walking around fighting anyway. It seems outdated, you know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like the way we should resolve things. No, I, I can't handle getting punched. I, I just don't want to do that. You ever been punched square in the face? Oh yeah. 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 You probably had it coming. Definitely. Yeah. Anytime my brother ever punched me, I had it coming. Yeah. Yeah. We he's were older than you by. He's year? a year and a half younger. Oh, he's younger. Yeah. And the way our dynamic was weird because he was uh, a year and a half younger than me, but only one class below me in school. And until we were, I was probably a junior and he was a sophomore in high school. Before that, I was huge and he was tiny. And then that year, I just kind of stopped growing and he grew a whole bunch and started lifting weights and like put on weight. And, uh, I think now he probably outweighs me by 30 pounds. Like he's, he's maybe taller than me too, which I hate to admit, but, so um, he, he smacked you upside the face pretty good a couple of times yeah, as the younger yeah. brother. Oh yeah. Well, like, he's, he's tougher than me. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to be as tough as him cause I was so much bigger. Right. Um, but yeah, he you could just tell him you're smarter. I, that's what I would usually go with. <laughs> or I, I would tell him he was a, a baby and he cried all the time. <laughs> If I wanted to hurt his feelings. God, we're so mean to our siblings, aren't we? It's yeah. like we go through this. I think the only person I've ever actually punched was my little brother. Uh-huh. And he totally had it coming too. Yeah, of course. And uh, I've only been punched once. When you're 6'4", 240, you're not really the guy people pick out as, hey, let's go punch that guy. You know? Yeah. I was just breaking up a, a guy was yelling at his girlfriend. We were like walking around at a pool bar in Portland. And uh, my cousin and I used to go down there and shoot pool. He was a really good pool player. I was not, but um, pool's fucking hard. I I, I had a, a creative way to play pool. Is like I could see shots that you know I couldn't always execute, but I could see them. And so people would be playing. Though, what the hell? How'd you go about? But anyhow, this guy comes down. He's yelling at his girlfriend, and I said, "She's probably not being a bitch. You're probably just a drunk asshole. You should let her get in a cab and get out of here and cool off." And he goes, "Stay the." out of it man and he just came up and he started pushing me and i said dude you're not gonna win this i told him if you can't knock me out in three punches i'm throwing you through the window and he punched me twice and then he looked at me and he started shaking and ran off (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wouldn't have taken that deal i was just gone (laughs) yeah i don't especially in public you don't want to get your butt kicked in public i don't like drunk people yelling at Women. No, that's a good move. No. Being a gentleman, Jeff Hilton was sticking up for a dog and got beat up. I heard by a that one—the crackheads or whatever—over <laughs> yeah. by the Maritime Museum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man, the homelessness problem is getting oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like drove down I five a couple weeks ago, and I, I drive down I five regularly because my orthodontist was in Olympia. Oh, okay. So I would drive the same route. Yeah, Olympia downtown's getting kind of crazy. It's just in the last six months. Yeah. It's gotten worse every time I drive by. There's more tarps in the bushes. There's more tents. It's just, it's really kind of freaky. All those bridge cities in Portland underneath the overpasses and yeah. the bridges. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a problem. I saw some show where they're talking about it would be cheaper to deal with the homeless if we just built everybody a house. Yeah. 
and it would be good for the economy because there would be people working and building these houses. And it's kind of like when they built the the railroads or whatever. It just, you know, it can, the new deal. The new, yeah, it just it it puts people to work and it creates problems. And a lot of those people that were homeless suddenly could eventually get work working on building homes for the other homeless and yeah. and things like that. And they said it because of what we pay to take care of each individual homeless person, it would be cheaper to build them their own house. Yeah. And then I think what would happen if the, if we did do that is it would uncover what's really a mental health issue. Yeah. Because I bet you a lot of those people would say, fuck your house. I'm staying on the streets. Right. That's where my dog lives. Right. Uh, it's just like my toilets, that sidewalk over there, I can't leave that. Right. They're crazy. Like yeah. there's a legitimate mental health crisis going on and it's and it's disguised as a homelessness problem. But I, I really think that there is no easy answer. And it's, again, one of those problems that's going to take a lot of different people all thinking about the same problem and trying to work on a collaborative solution because it's just too much to try to think about on your own. Do you think it's more societally caused or is it more mental like a genetic predisposition that's why the blow up of it seems to be a bigger thing now i don't know like, yeah the thing with like uh, i know somebody who diagnoses kids with you know all the early onset things of uh, the add the this and that and all those things and the numbers are just on an explosion they're just like every year it's like another 50 percent more of the percentage of kids are have a predisposition toward this, 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 and this, and, and all these mental health, health issues. And it makes me wonder, like, often is it, and I'm not trying to out there and just blame people. No, yeah, I think anything, I know where you're going. But it's kind of like, is it parenting or is it like just a, a malfunctioning in the brain? And, and I, I or, see both sides of that all the time. I mean, there was a guy a few years ago just walking around the port of Owaco just yelling at himself and just like, you know, saying these crazy, crazy ass things. This is after a tuna trip when it's dark and where everybody's tired. And my, uh, one of the other uh, deckhands at the time was down there and they're saying, oh my God, look at that fucker, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, you know what though? There was a time that guy played catch with his dad for the first time. Yeah, time, that's somebody's baby. That guy was held in the guy that graduation photo and his first date and he kissed a girl and this and that. And th that person's had all the things in life and then something went wrong. Yeah. You know, they've had a chance for all that shit. And then, but something frazzled, you know, whether it was an experience that they had to go through or it was a horrible breakup or alcoholism or whatever, yeah. you know people end up in this ugly place where we think that they're not really people anymore, you know, yeah. with the homeless problem. It's like, there's still people. There's still people that at one time could have been the fastest kid in class, or they could have been this, or, you know, all these things that they probably, they were probably good at at one point. And yeah. now they're a mumbling mass of insanity walking down the street, yelling at themselves and kicking things. It's yeah. like- And why? Yeah, it's it's just such a sad state, but I mean- when you talk about the homelessness problem, it's you wonder where that starts. You yeah. know, it's it's not that these are adults that suddenly have no home. It's like they came from a place where it led them to this place of not being able to function for whatever reasons. They could be any reason. Yeah. You know, things dif affect different people differently. And so, but it's just becoming 
so rampant. It's just yeah. everywhere. The, the COVID pandemic, I mean, really pushed it over the, over the sure. edge. Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah, it's been progressively well, it just made it, people worse. notice it because they're all home, you know. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're seeing, you know, and they, they go out for a walk or whatever and they say, oh my God, you know, people are living here in yeah. these, you know, I remember we went to, uh, God, I just go, I'm sorry. No, please do. So I remember we went like, when I was in the fifth grade in uh, Jack Pomeroy's class, he's passed, so no shout out. But anyhow, <laughs> um, my family went on a trip down to Mexico, a family trip, and we brought a couple extra like pseudo family members. And we on the way down there, we got across the border and we're driving through this kind of desert North Mexico area that was undeveloped. And there was like refrigerator boxes on the side of the road and people living in them. And I was a fifth grader and I started seeing that. I had no idea that this was even a part of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, that people were living outside in cardboard boxes. And it just made me think, whoa, you know, and my parents handled it all very well. They explained everything very carefully to us and told us that not everybody's as lucky as we all are and such like that. And some of it really uh, is luck too. Oh, sure. Like you were talking about how they were, you know, normal, then something happened and it it led to something else happening. And then before you know it, you got a cascade of events and then you're spiraling. And then they're, they're, they're creating, they're creating offspring yeah, and, and it just keeps going. And then those kids aren't going to be cared for because it's past the point where those people are able to care for kids. Maybe at one time they would have been great parents, but at that point, they're not able to do the job. Yeah. I mean, it's a job. It's yep. not It's not just something, oh, I've got a kid. Hey, look at that. I'll take a picture of him and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's a fucking job. Yeah. To take a picture of him, blah, blah, blah part is like the perk. Yeah. Like right. the part that's enjoyable right. that you share. But yeah, the um, large portion of it is work. Yeah. yeah. It's great work. It's But it's yeah, like, it's, it's, the it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever, ever, ever do. And and it's – you have a young, right? Yeah. She's yeah. three. That's awesome, dude. And yeah. it's, it's really cool. I tell my son all the time, you changed my life. You didn't even – know it that you completely changed my life so your son is how old now 20 he's almost 27 or almost 28 shit i'm bad with things like Man, that time flies i know I, i'm pretty sure him and my sister were pretty good buds back yeah in the day. i was actually i did i made that connection after i realized who your mother was but yeah uh justice and tani were friends in school yeah that's what i thought yeah. um i had a really mortifying uh i don't even know what you'd call it i made i put i made a fool of myself one time no um, yeah, so Justice, <laughs> I listened right? to your podcast. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Justice was in my house. Uh, he had been like visiting with my sister or, or whatever, but I don't remember where she was, but I was standing in the room with him and it was just me and him. It was We're like in the living room at my dad's house and I was uh, getting, getting ready to go to work and I noticed that his hair was missing right. and I – just I was How in dare college. You, you I was you in college at the time. Son. I didn't make fun of him, <laughs> but I, I I just assumed that like his buddies had like shaved his head while he was sleeping. Right. Because I in my world that was happening. Like sure, yeah. I actually had just shaved a bunch of my friends' heads. Uh, that's what we do in rowing. Shave all sure. the first years. Okay. Their heads uh-huh. are all bald, but um but I didn't think about it. I just I just said, Oh, what happened? Like your friends hold you down and shave your head or something? And I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just trying to make conversation. He's like, uh, no, dude, I have 
as alopecia. Alopecia. Yeah. Alopecia. And I was just like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But I was mortified and I still kind of am. So if you're listening, Justice, I'm so sorry, man. You were very cool about it. And I appreciate that. He's super well adjusted about it. I imagine uh, you'd have to be. Yeah. I mean, what choice do you have? I mean, he had some, like all people, you have issues when things you're obviously not like one of these things is not like the other, you know, he's a teenage, young teenage kid and his hair's all falling out. You yeah. Know? And it was hard. You know, he's, he's way more emotionally strong than I am. He's, he's a pretty powerful human. So. Well, he seemed fine. Yeah. Um, no, I, it crushed him. He cried a lot about that. That <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he looked up Tony to me a lot. Time, I couldn't remember. We said some mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just. Most of the time, I try really hard to be ahead of the game on those kind of things because I'm sensitive myself. If somebody would have mentioned my uh, supple breasts in middle school, which I had, they were quite nice. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would have <laughs> crushed me. I would have been, I would have had a hard time looking anyone in the eye for weeks. Like, sure. Yeah. And it's not like, I was like, I knew everybody can see I'm, I'm chubby. It's okay. I, the, the fact that it was true was not hard for me, but being the focal point of people's attention well, was just that like, that's what people think about you. Exactly. That they, they don't see that you're also smart and witty and, you know, whatever, yes. and, you know, all that shit. Cause yeah. it just gets pushed aside because you're chubby, yeah. you know? And so when I got blindsided by that, I was just like, I can't believe I let myself walk right into that. It was just, I felt like such an ass, but you know, things happen. Yeah. I've, I'm sure I've said worse things to people without even realizing it. And <laughs> you just can't really do anything about it. He's heard that so many times. It's like his mom had it too. So oh, really? yeah, that was really, that was yeah. tough for her. So yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. He's a handsome boy. He is a very handsome boy and he's very, uh, he's very athletic. He's, you know. Seems smart too. He's smart. He's, yeah. he writes songs. He's artistic. Oh, really? He's, yeah. He's. That's like an extra kind bonus. Of, people always say this about that. He's kind of my hero. He's kind of, he does all the, all the things that I wished I would have been brave enough to try to do. And he just does. That's awesome. He's pretty cool. That's, uh, that's a really good thing when you look up to your kids. <laughs> yeah. 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 That it's never he... going to happen vertically because, you know, he's a midget. But I'm How tall kidding. is he? He's like, I'm kidding. He's 5'9", five, 5'10", five, something oh, like that's, that. I mean, that's pretty average, but. Yeah. Everybody thought he was going to be tall because, yeah. you know, but his mom was like 5'2". So are you in a relationship now? Or... No. I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm totally comfortable being solo. Mm -hmm. I relationships haven't worked well for me and i'm too i think the thing it comes down to which is why podcasting is kind of fun because it uh it's all about me i've been told that it's like it's not all about you it is you today know? yeah so there you go well you know you talk a lot too <laughs> yeah, i get a little bored waiting for you to shut <laughs> up so. yeah i get that a lot <laughs> <laughs> no but so i just i have a i have a tendency to try to make everything about me mm -hmm. and it's, that doesn't work in a relationship. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's too hard for me. So I just don't. Yeah, it's a problem. Also, if you try to make it all about them, then you're obsessive. You gotta. It's a balancing act. Yeah, every, every day. Because at the beginning, it is all about them. Yeah, you know, and then and they, it's easy to yeah. make it all about them. And, and then, then when you start to like pry the power back or the focus back to you, then they go, "Well, how come he's not?" You know, blah blah. And it just becomes this weird, convoluted kind of mess of a boundary, and it's just kind of a weird. Yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. I'm I'm perfectly comfortable being I'm you, my selfish self. Do you go out still or do you do you have regular 
social engagements or are you just not i mean not not really not, i mean i have my guy friends we go do stuff all the time it's like mm -hmm. my friend steve's got a he's a contractor and he's got a barn that we go play pickleball in ivory i've Tuesday been hearing nights. about that for oh, years it's fun. you should come sometime yeah i used to get invited when i was a young man by kim Patton. is that oh, yeah. the same group yeah kim's still there okay, yeah god that guy kills me because he's he's this old dude but he's still quick he's still really good at, yeah like, he's pretty active he's he's out hiking and doing mountain climbing and shit like that he and bought a rowing shell like yeah. a boat um last year and he was texting me like how how do i do this thing it's like oh, i i'd love to come show you and also i'd love to borrow your boat right like, exactly he, yeah living right on the bay there that's there's several days uh a year where looking out at the bay and i'm just like that's definitely rowable mm -hmm. today like most of the time it's not but some days you get that glassy surface That'd you still nice. get the urge to go out there and push your way through the water sometimes i yeah. do yeah it's really it's a really nice kind of cleansing feeling when mm -hmm. everything just works and it's quiet that's the thing i like the only yeah. noise is the noise you're making with the paddle you have know, you ever done just... it no, I mean, I kayaked a few mm -hmm. times. And That's I would really actually nice too. Really That's actually much nicer. I would like to just do more kayaking. I feel like I'm somewhat athletic with ball sports and things like that. But as far as balance sports, like that's the thing, like my son, he's a balance freak. He does all the snowboarding and ski surfing. And it's something I don't at Me all. Me neither. And, and so even when I'm in a kayak where you're just above the water, especially with my size sitting in a little kayak, I'm pushing the limits of that thing's capacity. And, uh, I just always feel like I'm on the edge of tipping over. Yeah. And so, but I would like to get more into it. Like go to the Chinook River or something. Just yeah. go up and back because I ride my bike. That's where I rode today. You know, I I rode up to here and riding along the, the Chinook Valley and, and just, it's just nice. It's a great spot. It is. It's beautiful yeah. out there. We've kayaked at the Chinook River a few times. It's pretty nice. There's a lot of weeds in there though. Yeah. So it's it's kind of mucky. But probably some bugs too. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so. the balance thing so the crew boats they don't have a keel, they're just yeah, completely right. smooth bottom, yeah, they and they're, slow they're down. really round, yeah. So, and don't it, you have the they'll pontoon? just tip right over, don't you have the nope? Oh, nope. there's no stabilizing pontoon, there's outriggers, okay. And so, like, I mean, there's various different kinds, sure. but but like, I've seen like the show with Robin Williams or they're, you know, it's a great show. It was where he was the teacher and the I'm trying Dead Poets Society. Yes, Dead Poets Society. Yeah. yeah. And that just looks amazing. Yeah. So. The Ivy Leagues are, are what people think of when they hear about rowing, but really University of Washington is where it's at. Well, when I was living in Seattle, I'd cross the bay every day because I lived in, um, I lived downtown in uh, Ballard mm -hmm. and, and I worked in Bellevue. So I had to cross the lake every day and I'd see the the boats out there, yeah. you know, practicing and such. And yeah. it just, it looks amazing. So They've got one of the best programs in the world. They're, they're I got very a letter fast. from them because we, I went to state in basketball when I was a senior uh -huh. and I was six, four and thin. And they You'd have made a great rower. That's what people say. And they, they wanted me to go up and, you know, at least they, it wasn't, it was a letter of invite invitation or something. That's come up actually and, a really big deal from UW. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think they went They went to the state tournament. They just got all the guys that were over six feet. I think uh -huh. it just said, we'll send him a letter or whatever. I That's mean, a maybe, pretty good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, but it yeah. was... Um, I was the short, generally one of the shorter guys on my team. These guys are all huge. I, I went to Western Washington University. That's where mm -hmm. I rode. 
And we would do like once a year, we would do like a, a fun exhibition with UW and get to like go race their JV, third JV boat or something. We've got like our varsity eight against one of their lower down boats. And sometimes we would almost win. Mm-hmm. But um, just standing around them and like doing warm ups in the same room, it's just like, holy shit, these are a different kind of creature. Sure. They're all, because they're all like big, but they're also all like jacked. They're not like big in the same way you'd see a big football player. Right, that sinewy kind of powers. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. all like, it's a different kind of fit. Yeah. And it's even when I was it, the most into it, my body's just not quite that type of body. Like I always still carried a little bit of body fat. And yeah, it takes a special breed to be an elite rower. And I, I was oh, not yeah. one of those. But yeah, they're pretty impressive creatures. But you went for it. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. Oh, I had a blast. Yeah, right yeah, on. You got was, a lot of good experiences out of it and yeah. probably learned a lot. Yeah, I learned a ton. It actually kind of built some of the foundation of who I am as yeah, an adult. Of course. Like, yeah. cause it's cold and it's wet. And on top of that, it's an anaerobic sport. So you deplete your muscles of oxygen within the first 20 strokes and you still have another 180 to go in a race. Like it's, it's really, really hard uh, to keep that intensity up for keep from cramping and stuff yeah. you have to drink also the electrolyte drinks and all that stuff yeah well because i make it through a standard race is 2000 meters like that's the competition distance which only takes between six and seven minutes to to complete a course like that that's a long time to power through though yeah that's like being at a full 100 percent sprint for six and a half seven minutes and at the end, I, like I've heard people have always said this. I don't know if it's true or not, but they said it's like the calorie equivalent of playing two basketball games back to back in just seven minutes. So it's it's intense. Jeez, but yeah. something about doing that voluntarily made me realize I can do whatever I want. Right. I, I can if even if it's really hard and even if I'm not going to enjoy it, if it's going to accomplish a goal that I have set for myself, I know that I can do it. And that is huge. I, yeah, I would not trade that for anything. You got to go over a few walls in your life to prove to yourself that you can. Exactly. And then it makes the next one a little easier. Yeah. The, Plus, uh, you I get friends with that stuff too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get that team teamsmanship and yeah and stuff. Commiseration. So, yeah. Bonding. Everybody's been through that shit together. So yeah. Shared experiences. Plus, yeah. there's this weird thing that happens in a crew boat. So you're sitting in a line and all the rowers face backwards. They're all facing the stern. It's either a bow loader or a stern loader. And the coxswain, who's the person driving the boat, also given all the instructions through a little microphone, she or he will either sit at the front of their back and they're the only person in the boat who can see where you're going and everyone else is facing the same direction. So if somebody who's sitting in the bow, like number one or two seat, if they fart, the entire boat's going straight through that fart cloud. <laughs> There's and, no escaping it. Oh, my God. There are days where the the air is so cold. And plus that motion is going to push those out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it happens often. Because you got the sliding seats and everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you get it. Yeah. And it's so cold that when you hit a pocket of warm air, you notice it. Mm-hmm. And if it smells like farts, you really notice it. But have you ever inhaled a fart as your breath? And not just like you didn't just smell it, but you you taste it with your lungs. I went through a phase. Oh, my God. Horrible. <laughs> But you get to know those guys really well. And it's another bonding experience. Yeah. I, st- I still remember my friend Matt's fart smell. <laughs> I miss him. Yeah, shout Matt. out Matt. Yeah, shout out Matt if you got this. <laughs> I wonder if he does listen to this. He was He's a really tall guy. I like talking tall guy stuff with him because he's like 6'8". Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And uh, big, tall, redheaded guy. Everywhere we went, people are asking him if he plays basketball. Of and yeah, and he usually would say yes. 
<laughs> Even if he doesn't. Oh, just, no, he just, didn't. Yeah, just makes it a lot easier. Yeah, his dad was actually, right who on. was the traveling team that went around for the Harlem Globetrotters? The Nationals. No, the Washington Generals. Generals, yeah. yeah the Washington yeah. Generals, yeah. He, he played for them. His dad's huge. He's like maybe even taller and like big, big guy. We went to Matt's wedding, me and Melissa, a couple years ago, and Matt's dad gave me a hug and Melissa's like, it was so weird because you just like, Right, looked like a little kid. Yeah, like he could just pick you up and carry you around. It's, it was weird, and like the whole wedding was just full of giant people. The group on my boat a couple of years ago, and this family, they were like three boys and their dad, and they were all like a couple inches taller than I was, which was weird because tall people on a boat is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, and because uh, it's not built for tall people, the cabin's short and all that stuff. But it was weird, but I I kind of liked it. Uh-huh. Not being the tallest person on board, it took some getting used to. But usually when I'm in a room, I'm looking above everybody else. Yeah. But I slouch because I don't want to seem superior, you know. So. Doesn't that kind of suck? It it does. It does a little bit, but, you know, you just grow accustomed to it. I mean, you're not in the same class as I am. So uh, that is true. So you wouldn't really know. That is true. The uh, – it, it, it is a little weird because you, you are always hunched and people say, well, your, your posture is not very good. I said, well, I talk to people all day. I don't want to scare everybody. And so I don't want to stand above them like this, like I'm some big proper British, you know, whatever, just yeah. kind of, oh, you little people. And and uh, so it, it I, I just kind of- But that's how your body's built. That. You should do that. Right, I but suppose. But you don't want people to think that you're full of yourself. I don't want to or... talk, exactly. I don't yeah. want to talk above people because I already think I am. Of and course. then if I posture that way, They're it's going to really, it's going to be obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, I totally know what you mean. And it's it's funny because I'm not crazy tall, but um, I, I do that. I, I'll make myself smaller. And it's not because I don't want to seem better than other people. They already know. It's <laughs> right. really just so that I don't have to talk to them. Because if they think I'm unfriendly, <laughs> they won't try to talk to me. <laughs> or, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a remnant of my teen years when I really just was like mad at everybody. And for no reason. They didn't do anything wrong. And right. I was just mad at the world. And I grew my hair out and started wearing ripped jeans and wanted everybody to leave me alone. And I remember you at that phase. Yeah. I, I don't – I mean, that's just teenage angst, I guess. Sure. But yeah. for some reason, I just slouched for like five years just to avoid detection. <laughs> and now I have to actively think about it. Like, stand up straight. Don't just let your body roll over forward. It's just like – because it's – because I have back problems from it. Yeah. Like, especially driving a lot, you know, sitting in the, the truck – all day long and if i don't think about my posture i'll get out super sore but yeah yeah cars aren't made for us no they're not made for you they're they're made for people like 510 yeah yeah Yeah. exactly the average cookie cutter type you know person yeah not a special elites yeah yeah it's not made for that it is kind of a special thing to be tall and big i i honestly don't even notice really I, I don't notice any i i just like you were saying earlier about you only know the world through your scope you know yeah and my scope has all been that since i was 19 or whatever so mm-hmm. i mean i grew very very late wow you're still growing at 19 i grew until i was like 20 wow when i was like a freshman in high school or eighth grade I got to be type one diabetic. Oh shit. And so I my my body was like starving to death, even though I was eating all the time. And so I didn't grow for a long time. My oh, body was wow. just finding a way. And then when I found out about it, it was actually just a, a sports physical. And the doctor kind of says, Hey, yeah, you might want to get yourself checked, you know. 
I said, well, you're a doctor. Let's do that. Check me. You know, dad's type one diabetic. It should, you know, fire off. But so basically I was starving. You were saying you're chubby. I had the opposite thing. I was like, I could, I had no musculature on my body at all. I was mm-hmm. like, when I started growing, it was very scarecrowy because by the time I would graduated high school, I was like, I graduated at 17, but I was like, I was like six, three and like 140 pounds and pretty gangly. Oh, all gangle, all capital G gangle. Did it you was, do track? Kinda. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't because I, I don't know. I, those I, gangly shank boys do a mean 800 meter. Oh yeah. My son was on that. We, my, uh, my brother is still Both on the team that had the record forever for the four by one, mm-hmm. uh, at Iwako. And, uh, it was funny because when his two boys and my son were on the four by one, they came with them like the, a fraction of the tiniest little scope of breaking, you know, their, their record from that track. And that track team had my brother and then a bunch of guys from my class who were all very good athletes. We had a lot of good athletes in my class. Yeah. I was athletic, but I was so scrawny. I imagine I, that would have made a difference. It was, yeah, it was weird. When I came back a couple of years after I got my diabetes under a little better control and I was able to put on some muscle. Come back to open gyms and stuff, and and the uh, when the I can't remember Mike Tice from the Seahawks, whatever, brought a traveling group of basketball, you know, to come do these demonstrations, and we played against them. Mike Tice is like six six, and uh, I I I I kind of whooped him on really? the court because I finally was able to put on some strength, uh-huh. and I realized I'm pretty good at this game when I don't get just broken in half every time I try to go into the hole. So yeah, you probably had to learn the technical parts of the game. Well, uh, before you could use your weight, it was all the timid things like fadeaway jumpers, things mm. like that, you know, spin moves, rollaways. But, you know, once I finally got a little bit of strength, I was able to drop my shoulder and do some other things. And it just made it a whole different thing. But just as a human, it's weird going through life six foot three and 140 pounds. You're just like everyone else is getting strong and you're going, what the fuck, man? Where's yeah. my muscles? How come I'm not there yet? But it was nice when they finally started coming on. Not that I ever got like. Hilton or anything, but yeah, not many of us do. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want that in all honesty. It's... So the diabetes thing, is that something that's a major part of your life? You take insulin and things like that? It's been a huge factor in my life. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really fucked up disease because you can yeah. do everything by the book and you'll just have a crazy spell where your sugar will just jump or it'll drop. It'll do some weird ass stuff, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's really hard to completely maintain mm-hmm. and that I've had several blackouts. I remember uh, a story of your brother telling when I was in like sixth or seventh grade about like you went into a coma at school or something like that. Did that happen? Yeah. When I was, I was at Portland State when I was going to school there, I was just down in the cafeteria and then I woke up on a table and I've had, I've, I've lost consciousness probably seven or eight times in my life due to it. One of the times I was at Justice's mom's house, we were living together, and I stepped up on the futon when I was having a low blood sugar kind of trip out. They're weird, too. It's like sometimes it's like acid trippy, uh-huh. and other times it's just scary, and other times you don't you just, you just don't know anything's going on. It's, it's weird what it does in your brain. It'd be interesting, like, if they could take pictures inside your head to see how different people go through stuff, because yeah. some of them have been really freaking effed up scary stuff so but 
yeah, it's been a big, it's been a big part. This has made life so much easier. It's a little onboard computer where I just scan it with my phone. It tells me what my sugar's doing, cool. whether it's raising or dropping or whatever. So I, I've, I've seen those on Instagram. Uh, a lot of people wear them like on their belly, but that's or, a, I think that's a different thing. Cause those okay. are, those are like, I mean, maybe, but I mean, these are only really made for the arm. Oh, okay. Um, but they were the pumps on their belly. So insulin pumps and stuff. The, I've never been connected to an insulin pump. Okay. So you do inject insulin? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That yeah. sucks. You must have to do that. How often? Uh, just as per needed. Oh, it's yeah. every morning and then as per needed after that. Just because I've I've been through my life. I'm not like a, uh, I'm not a regimented person. Mm-hmm. I don't eat a certain amount or at a certain time every day. I just kind of, I live by myself. No, nobody's in my house. And so I just, eh, I kind of want to snack. So I'll just snack and mm-hmm. I'll just, I don't eat meals. And when I do eat meals, it's just at a random time. And so my doctor said that's completely effed up for a type 1 diabetic. Yeah, I think really for everybody. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, you're right. You know, your body should get used to a certain procedure. That's but, how I do it too. And yeah. it's not great for me. Well, it, but you know, there's, there's, there's pl- pluses and minuses to just snacking all day as opposed to eating meals. I think we probably yeah. are only really supposed to eat maybe one big meal today all day and like just snack throughout the rest of the day when per needed, you know? Yeah. I mean, but, we're, we're hunter gatherers, really. Yeah, we didn't like say, okay, go, you know, hunt the saber tooth and have it back here, and we're going to cook it at six forty. Yeah, it's like, no, it doesn't. You know, I don't think it's just when, when it you gets find here, food. It gets here, and we're going to feast. You fill up your basket and you bring back for the tribe, and you eat what you eat, and yeah. it's just not really. I don't think we're that way either. I got lost on that. Yeah, we're talking about food. Yeah, I got all kinds of issues around food. Food is where I find a lot of comfort. Well, you were a chubby kid. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it, it all, you, you just, you're built from what you were. Yeah. yeah. And I still, I'm like, I'm also a foodie. I love food. And like, I find it very uh, satisfying on a more than just like a f- enjoyment level. I think it's like primal. Like, especially if I'm doing uh, keto or fasting, intermittent fasting. Have you ever tried that? No, I suppose it doesn't really work for diabetics. Oh, the ketogenic. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh -uh. So like where you kind of force your body to burn fat as its main fuel source over carbohydrates. So rather, so glucose is kind of just out of the picture. Like you can live without it completely and then you don't even need insulin. Mm -hmm. But, um, and, and keep in mind, I am a doctor. So this, (laughs) this is medical advice. (laughs) Uh, I talked to the receptionist on the way in and they, they said that you you just just got your license. And so. Anyway, I, I don't know anything about this, but I've done it a few times and it, it works really well for burning fat or maintaining steady energy levels. But you, I the way I did it is I would intermittent fast. So I'd stop eating at 8 p.m., go to bed, skip breakfast, and then not eat again until noon the next day. And the first couple of weeks, it's horrible because I'm like a morning donut guy. I like a morning donut. Even when I'm not hungry, I still find myself wanting to go get one just because it's something I look forward to. It's like- Probably somewhat habitual from working on the bay, right? Yes, very much. On the way up there, you stop and get a donut and you're way to work. So I'll skip that. And then I just feast during that window from noon to eight. And I just try to have a preference towards high fat, high protein food, not too high protein. Your body wants to burn glucose preferentially over fat because it's easier. And it's like the fast burn fuel. And we're not really supposed to have that all the time because in the ancestral environment, you like fruit only grew on trees part of the year. And like, there's really not that much sugar around. So it was a treat. And like the only preservable sugar was like honey. And so it was was really not something we were facing on a regular basis. So I think fat was probably the number one 
energy source. And But now in this environment, we're just surrounded by carbohydrates and sugar and highly processed sugars, especially all the time. So it, it, it's easy to choose that as your food. And if you have that in your system, your body will choose it because it's easier to burn. Sure. But if you don't have it, so that's where the fasting comes in. Your body starts to starve and goes into that response where it will start looking for food and it goes to your fat cells and it pulls them and pulls them into the liver and breaks them down into ketone bodies. And then uh, they're entered into the bloodstream and your brain muscles, everything use it as fuel. And it's really, really a good, efficient fuel source. It feels great. Like it, once you get through the initial keto flu, which is just like where you feel kind of a malaise general shittiness uh, mm. and it goes away and you feel really clear headed and great. It actually reduces my need for caffeine and just it's it's a good system. And again, I didn't put a lot of thought into the diabetic part because I'm not diabetic. And but I, I feel like I remember it talking about it having like some pretty good results in some people. But worth worth looking into at least it if you're if you're the type of person who likes to experiment with your body and your food, which I am, it's fun. But um, it's a it's a little dangerous in my shoes. But imagine so the, I would uh, definitely talk to a doctor first. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's weird. I was thinking about the when it burns the the fat and stuff. If you have no sugar in your system, when you go into like uh, like low blood sugar shock, you uh -huh. know, when you pass out. Your body does just feeds on other things other than glucose. And so it'll stay alive for the most part, but you it'll get you to the point where you it shuts you off mm -hmm. and then it starts finding things to eat in your body, you know, just kind of a, a weird thing. But I could just say, you know, I'll just go on that diet. I'll just go into like <laughs> ketosis, <laughs> ketosis and just that's the ketosis diet. Yeah. You might have to ease yourself into it. <laughs> yeah. And probably under observation, that'd mm -hmm. probably be a bad idea. Yeah, don't and I drive. don't really care yeah. that I'm a little chunky. It doesn't bother me that much. No, so, I, I, yeah. you don't even seem chunky. Yeah. I, I would. Uh, and that's actually why I stopped doing it is because it's, it's almost too effective for fat burning. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need to burn all the fat. I, it's just, uh, I like the, I liked the way it made me feel. And I liked the fact that it got rid of sugar cravings. That's something that I deal with all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's it's annoying because it even like I get annoyed with myself. Uh, I can't even imagine how my wife must feel <laughs> like I'm constantly bringing sugar into the house and then complaining about it. But um, I can't Makes help sense. it. Yeah. I'm, I'm hooked. That yeah. stuff is is really delicious. Like smacking yourself in the face and saying, damn, my face hurts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just seems kind of pointless. You know. but yeah. I've lost consciousness a few times um, from what I assume to be blood sugar related issues. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Non-diabetics can have low blood sugars. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that's just diabetic. When I was younger, it would happen all the time actually. But um, like I, I uh, oh, it was always though when I was run down. So like I haven't slept much or I've been partying too much and not eating or drinking too much alcohol or really anything. And then usually it would be like a bong rip would set it off. And I would try to stand up and pass out. But um, yeah, it hasn't happened to me for years. Last time it was, I was with my buddies and we were coming up from Humboldt County. Uh, where, California, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where I did my freshman year down there. And we were on our way up and I had given blood. I donated blood that day. So that that's the thing that set me back I'm pretty a sure bit. that's in the little flyer they give you. Yeah. Did not. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I had smoked some pot and went into a mini mart just to like get water and Gatorade for the drive. We're about ready to hit like a 10 hour drive. This is you and Colton and- uh... Yeah, it's me and Colton and Dan Greenfield and Thomas Jenkins. 
I don't remember Thomas, but I remember. He was an Ocean Park kid. He had a brother, Chad. They were like, they were super fucking tough, like really tough kids. Um, Very nice, kind of quiet, but just like, that's the thing I think most people probably associate them with the most is like, don't fuck with the Jenkins brothers. They will kill you. <laughs> they will kill you. And they can. And yeah. won't, they won't even worry, sweat about it. Yeah. But they're the nicest guys ever. Yeah. They're just the like pit bulls. Right. Um, but yeah. And so I was getting stuff in the store. And the next thing I know, um, this retired military guy is cradling me. Uh, he's got my head in his hand and his other hand on my chest. Like, and I'm like, what is going on here? And apparently I had passed out. And he was like, don't move, don't move. The ambulance is on their way. And I was just like, ambulance? And I was like, I, get, I had no money. I couldn't mm-hmm. pay for an ambulance. Right, right. Um, yeah, and, they, they do that anyhow. Oh, I know. Yeah. And they'll figure out a way to send you that bill. <laughs> and I was like, get off me. I'm, I'm fine. And I like struggled up and I did actually go talk to the people in the ambulance. And they, they charged me for it. But yeah. It's, that it's gets, no fun. That gets weird because I always fight them to not take me to the hospital in the ambulance too because mm-hmm. I went for years without health insurance. Yeah. As a diabetic is a bad thing. Gosh, by that's got to be stressful. Oh, it, was, it wasn't easy. So and it's weird. I always have – this is kind of a weird, like unfair thing for me to think, but I've always resented type 2 diabetics, adult onset, <laughs> yeah. because they everybody says, oh, I have diabetes. Go, you don't have real diabetes. Yeah. Shut the fuck. This is the real diabetes. You don't make nothing at first. You know, it was like overweight women over 40 were the ones that got type 2 diabetes back when I first got diabetes. Now it's like little kids even. Oh, I know. It's just, well, diets are horrid too. And kids don't play. Yeah. That's probably the main thing. It's big. Yeah. That's probably the only reason I'm not obese is because I play a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm always outside. And now you got kids to play with. Yeah. Yeah. And they're active. They're like, I think most kids probably are if if you let them be. Until you take it away from them. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. My kids are always running circles around me. Good. Yeah. They're very, very fit and active. So type one, type two, what exactly is the difference on a biological level? Is there a difference? Yeah. I mean, type Type one, you just have a malfunction genetically. Generally, it's genetic, just you know, condition where you're uh, you just quit making insulin. Just, like, is it your pancreas? That yeah. Did? Okay. Mm-hmm. The islands of Langerhans in your pancreas. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I remember that in college. Yeah. So it just it shuts off. It doesn't. It it's it attacks itself essentially like an autoimmune thing. So okay. It it kills itself off and then it doesn't make insulin anymore. Um, and so then you have nothing to break down all this stuff in your bloodstream and it just accumulates there and it makes you very, uh, it starves your body, number one, because you're not getting any of the things you're eating aren't going into your cells. Yeah. Um, and you have nothing to break it down except for artificial insulin. You could exercise all day. It won't make a single bit of difference if you don't have any insulin. The roads are blocked. Right. Insulin's like the key that opens up the the, the cell. You mm-hmm. know, without without it, it just can't do anything except for circulate through. So type one means you don't make anything. Type two, you don't make enough to fit your lifestyle essentially. Okay. And you get resistant to the stuff you do make, right? You do. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you do. And just because, and also like type ones with artificial insulin, you also become resistant to that. Oh, you okay. know, your body just learns to, so you always, it's, it's always in flux, you know? And the worst part is that 
sometimes you'll take a shot and it'll get stuck in a little pocket oh, yeah. uh, of fat or whatever in your system and it won't release. And so you're running way, way high. And then you take another shot and another shot trying to get your sugar to come down. And then the initial one releases. And then you got this huge boulder of insulin rolling through your system and you just drop like a stone and uh, it gets dangerous. But again, yeah. it's like something you can't, con you give yourself shots all day long, but you can't control how it absorbs into your system. You could be as careful as you want and still fuck up. Is it an intramuscular injection? No, it's a, it's a, it, it's between the fat layer and the muscle. Subcutaneous. Subcutaneous, right. Nice. Yeah. Well, that seems like it'd be a little bit um, tricky. It, That's a small little window. It is. It's a little window and and sometimes it, it it hits a spot where it absorbs quickly and other times it hits a spot where it doesn't absorb for a couple hours. So mm. as regimented as you want to try to be, there's still things at play that aren't in control. Yeah. So it's, yeah, if I sound bitter, it's because it's been problematic for me. So, bitter. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Little diabetes Bitter humor. about the sweet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it has been two hours. Oh, shoot. Oh. I know. Everybody says by, it goes huh? by so fast. I know. I know. Um, did we miss anything that we want to hit before we get out of here? I'm sure we missed all sorts of shit. I wonder if we finished any conversations. We probably started with like 50 of them. Yeah, probably. Got about two steps in and shifted gears. It's I the suppose. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. You're it welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for asking me, and, and I appreciated that. Absolutely. It's been a good opportunity. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Say it with your chest now. Say it with your chest now. I'm free. Can't nobody tell.